0: Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk.
1: Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. With your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself,
2: Stevie Stro.
1: All right, and welcome back everybody to episode 50 of Coco Talk. We are officially Fifty episodes old, so we are fifty, and it also happens to be St. Patrick's Day, and we couldn't hear you there. I don't know if the, I don't know if your little whistleblower thing there. <coughs> Excuse me, Jason has noise or not?
3: It doesn't have any noise. I bought the oh. ones that don't make
1: any noise. Ah, well, that's a that's a defect right there. That's a that's
4: defect. that's just too cheap. <laughs>
1: that's a, that's American engine engineering and ingenuity uh, at its finest, eh? But the
3: package that says is. they're fancy.
1: Fancy. <laughs> Fancy, Steve, fancy. Steve Powell is yeah. here and, uh, in the live chat. In the live chat, let's address who's in the live chat before we even get to the panel. So, Terry Steen um, joined us first in the live chat before the show started, then, Mark Overholzer and Orlander, Norlander, I should say, Richard Lorbieski, uh, Curtis Boyle. Uh, disney saints fan one of our patrons hello disney saints fan steve bjork tim franklin is here steve powell is here in the live chat already as we get the show going and on our panel uh from the top left hand corner in a clockwise fashion we have mark overholzer hello mark hi y'all howdy and we have grant Leedy. hello grant
2: good day everybody
1: good day eh we've got david Ladd. hello david
2: Hello,
5: and thank you, Steve, and I'm so glad to be here. (laughs)
1: And we're delighted to have you, and uh, Nick Marota just joined us, too. Hello, Nick Marota, in the live chat.
4: We have from sunny Southern California, Steve Bjork is with us. Hey, not so sunny out here. We actually had something we don't see too often. It's called rain. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. In Florida, we call that liquid sunshine.
6: Mm. We do
1: here too, <laughs> facetiously. We, we've also had just joining us from Mexico, Alexander Wallace. Viva la Mexico! Hello, Alexander. And from somewhere in Ohio, Jason the Cocoa Man's with us. Hello, Jason hello 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 is this thing on and um, from where the finest hardware has been counterfeited and produced um of a lower quality no wait that's china but next to china we have from boys and technologies richard Lorbieski is with us <laughs> who may or may not
7: be in the microphone um My mic is screwed up, he says in the sidebar. He can't
8: even Uh.
4: retort. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goody. We can do some Uh, good ones.
1: We can talk about Richard. Um, We're getting into the foreign section of the show from the Great White North. We have D, Bruce Morris, with us. How's it going, E? Going great, eh? Your next-door neighbor in your uh, other part of Canada there is Curtis Boyle, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and from down under nick morentes is with us good eye nick good eye everyone and uh jason has turned himself upside down in honor of nick morentes in australia <laughs> on the bottom of the planet on the bottom of flat earth uh <laughs> no, everyone else is upside down he's right the he's that's right, right way up that's right <laughs> Last, but certainly not least, uh, his wife has cut the chain around his ankle. He's allowed to leave the guest, best, the guest bedroom, and he's back in the garage. Ron is with us. Ron, get how you doing?
4: <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Mr. Right. Rumberjack.
1: We're yeah. here. It is episode 50. Um, it's hard to believe that this show has been going on this long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember when the really show started. We, sharted, we started, did I say shart? Yeah, I did say shart. I think it was 18th of May or <laughs> sorry, 18th of March. Well, uh, we, 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 I guess this, this show could be called a shart, but um, <laughs> we started this show um, sometime. Matter of fact, I'm going to check the I'm a Coconut Facebook page, excuse me, the Cocoa Talk Facebook page. Um, because I think somewhere in here on the abouts, the, yeah, so it was March 19th. March 19th. So in two days, it's been a year, eh, since we started this train wreck that we call Coco Talk. Happy uh, 50th, day. Eh? yeah eh? Mm hey hey um and so we we call this episode 50 but there has been weeks where things have happened that weren't officially a coco talk for example there's been um last year's Cocoa fest last (laughs) week last last year's Cocoa fest Tandy assembly so if i had numbered these things by the weeks it's been going you know whatever but but who's counting right so anyways it's been it's been going on a year why did we start coco talk last year david is here hey david and David's from the Florida Retro Club. I think David's trying to find us on Skype. He's saying he cannot find Coco Talk at cocotalk.live as a Skype contact, but we're out there. I assure you. The truth is out there, David. So, um, um, yeah, our title for the today's show is the upside down episode. Um, but, yeah, so we started this show basically spontaneously saying, hey, we're really excited for Coco Fest. Coco Fest is not too long away. So let's just get together and talk about, you know, kind of our, our Christmas Eve, um, you know, jitter. What are we excited about? Let's share the love. Let's share the spirit of Coco, and that's that's kind of what started Coco Talk, and obviously it's you know, and it's been all downhill since then. But um, we're here a year later. We are. It's just a it's it's a cast of characters that we seem to assemble. Pretty frequently, for better or for worse. (laughs) Uh, Mostly in the latter category. (laughs) For worse, (laughs) till death do you part, right?
8: (laughs) Till death do we get good. Uh, But we're having uh, fun doing it.
1: We are, and people are watching us. And I'm not sure how many people are watching right now. We've got 21 people in the live chat, and and we haven't even started the show yet. Um, Do we have any – go ahead, Jason.
3: And we probably never will.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think our last show was pretty good. And I think we agreed on the formula that we're going to have about uh, 20 minutes of introductions. About five minutes of show content, and then about two hours of of closing and post closing and mid roll credits and uh, after Rap. credit. <laughs> That's
9: just
10: the outro. I thought the two yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, Nick Marota has just joined us. He said it's fun. A bunch of friends hanging out sometimes, <laughs> hanging out sometimes, talking about the cocoa. Right? It's like I went to a fight once, and a hockey game broke out. So <laughs> I went to Cocoa Talk once, and they talked about a cocoa for a minute. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here. Um, do we have Project No, Updates? we have our first Cocoa Cat. We have our first Cocoa Cat of this episode. That's right. Mark D. Overholzer has the coco. This is cat number one. So far, yep. we've been up to uh, three cats and one dog. So uh, we got to see if we can uh, somehow. Ron, have you got any herds of animals, livestock, or anything going on over there? <laughs> uh, just, just let them get the oh, emu out. Oh, there we go. Here's dog number one. All right. <laughs> So there yes, she her birthday is. Birthday today. She's eleven. Oh, happy birthday, doggy. Girl. Girl. Is that in eleven talk
4: years or yeah? Yeah, doing what dogs normally do when they're eleven—they just lay there. <laughs>
1: I must. I was be way there. ahead of the game then. Yeah, then then I was gonna say I must be an eleven-year-old dog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so going around the room. Shout out. Yes, I do. If you have a project update or something you want to mention. To, uh, as far as what you've been working on this past week or so.
8: Uh, Sorry, nope, I've not been feeling good still, so nothing to report.
1: Okay. Reminds me of that scene in Spaceballs. Uh, Nothing yet, sir. (laughs) Home the desert. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Wow. Is that David Ladd?
6: <laughs>
1: I, <laughs> just, heard a, I funny, just heard a Stevie. cat meow. <laughs> oh.
6: that was Terry cat Steen
1: is here. The on the mic. Yeah, Terry, if you can join us, we'd like to join us. So anyone else have a project update? I know we've got a teaser clip to show today on uh, Coco Forever, but anything you want to uh, let us know about Bruce Moore? <clears throat> Let's see. If I turn this, can you see...
7: Yeah, I'm working on
1: my display. Ooh, look at that. You got the 3D tree in the background doing
7: like a diorama. Yeah, I got to set it all up and make sure it all actually fits in the five-foot table. And then I got to, you know, be able to pack it so it doesn't get destroyed by the airplane. So.
1: All right. And it looks like Terry Steen has joined us. Terry, can you hear us?
11: Uh, Can you hear me? We can hear you. Can you hear us? Okay, (laughs)
6: good.
11: Yes, I can hear you. (laughs) I haven't used Skype in a long time, so I'm getting my skype legs
1: all right not a problem do you have a camera by any chance uh yes i do do you feel like turning it on or you're not obligated to if you're in the witness protection program or anything <laughs> like that you're uh... <laughs> as soon as i figure out how to make it turn on i will all right. Well, uh, so when you when you when you're ready, we'd love to catch up with you and you get a mini life story from you. You know, past to present, and 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 let's not give away all the details because we would like to do a formal interview slash segment with you. But we're, just, we're I'm delighted to have you here. I'm glad that you've reached out and we've been emailing a few times, um, and definitely looking forward to hearing more from you in the future. And you're always welcome to join us at any hey, time. Yeah, it, uh, it,
11: it, it's all you because uh, if it wasn't for you posting Balloon Fire on. Uh, YouTube, I would have never, uh, never knew this existed because it just kind of popped up when I was wanting to show a friend what I was doing in the past because, uh, we're both getting all geared up for Ready Player One and the yeah. cocoa was yeah. prominent in the, uh, in the, in the story. So I don't know if it will be in the movie though, unfortunately, but we shall see. Yeah, I, I kept watching the uh, trailers and I have not seen anything that looks Coco ish. Well, they're, they're not
1: really showing off any of the computers right now in the trailers. They're really pumping up all the visual effects. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of visual effects in showing a computer. And if you're doing a trailer and a teaser, who wants to see a keyboard, which is all these things were. There's nothing okay. like go see this movie by seeing a keyboard on there, you know. So I, I can see Yeah, yeah. Hey, Eddie Serbinski, another Canadian, eh? How you doing, Eddie? Eddie says hello and happy St. Pat's to you all. Thank you. Richard Lorabieski says my mic is still out. Uh, it's probably probably... probably because he stole the design from someone and it's just not working so (laughs) um excellent so how about we do this real quick uh here's a brand new segment to coco talk and this is our sponsor segment so i do want to recognize some outstanding members of the community hopefully my microphone is still working here i don't know it's my my yeah my microphone is here so yeah I do want to talk about yeah. some of the sponsors no, well not you guys but in the scene on um oh. on um on Skype or um what do you call it YouTube so anyway so yeah so you know every week Cocoa Talk is. Um, you know we're we're here. We do our show for free, but we have members of the community who we also want to help um, uh, show the love for, and and who are also sp- sponsors and partners of our show. So we want to give a shout out to the uh, Coco VGA project, which is Brendan Donahy and his uh, partner Steve. Is it Steve Stiller or Steve Spiller who he works on this with? And then um, Ed Snyder is doing a lot of the manufacturing of this. So Coco VGA is a pretty cool project, and it started off being only for the Coco Two. We've seen on Facebook now. That there's some new board styles for the Coco One. So if you want to find out how to get uh, better, cleaner output w- with composites and multiple modes and 64 columns and all kinds of cool stuff, visit cocovga.com and check them out. Uh, also, Boyson Technologies, uh, an improver of, of designs that were originated from other people in the community, um, <laughs> including SCART cables and joystick adapters and other fun but things. Not of not Yeah, but yeah, not microphones though. Boyson. Technologies does not work on microphones, but we tease Richard Lorebieski because we love him. But Boyson Technologies, uh, if you go to boysontech.com, another sponsor of the show, outstanding member of our community. Of course, we could not forget our resident troll, but Jim Brain of Retro Innovations, makers of fine products for many retro systems, including the Commodores and the Cocos. And so if you go to go, the number four, retro.com, or shop.go, the number four, retro.com, Check out Retro Innovations and all their fine products. Um, don't forget, if you want to find out about the color computer, you can go to imacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your color computer needs. And then for all of your retro swag and merchandise needs, you can go to 8bit256.com where you can get Coco t-shirts, Coco Talk t-shirts and coffee mugs. And for the people who are making Cocoa software that is available to purchase online, we've got links to all of those softwares at the Retro swag shop there, too. So if you want to get Rick Adams' Bomb Threat or Tim Th- uh, Tim Thayer's Timberman or all these other games that you can buy online, uh, Bruce Moore's Forest of Doom, there are links there to all these software products there. So, you know, get your software fix, get your Cocoa merchandise fix at 8bit256.com. There we go shameful that's, that's, plugs uh, <laughs> Tim oh. Franklin says do you mean do we cheat them and how attorneys of law aren't sponsors <laughs> Yes. I, I was going to mention that, with the
9: Coco VGA project um, David and I and Brendan have been starting to work on getting the nitrous 9 level 1 version of it working and okay. we've got it partially working right now we're still trying to track down a bug there seems to be a bit of a glitch between the software and the latest firmware so hopefully we'll have an official announcement of that in the near future
1: Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. And Terry, whenever you want to come in, you let us know. No pressure, no hurries, no worries. If you don't want to, if you can't get the camera worked out, and you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself, we can do that too. It's kind of up to you. Uh, here we go. It says Terry Steen wants to show his camera. There he is, and we see you. We see you, but now we can't hear you.
6: Yeah,
11: mute is a good function too. <laughs> okay, there you go. Hey, Terry, how are you? Oh, not bad at all. I'm, I'm having to learn how to work Skype and uh, web browsing and uh, everything all at once. <laughs> Ooh.
1: Excellent. Excellent. You got it going. You got it going on. So uh, welcome to Cocoa Talk. We're delighted to have you. I like the uh, beer mug on your cheek there. Happy St. Paddy's Day. Oh, yeah.
11: St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a little party downtown and uh, I uh, I left so I could be back for this. Oh, hey. Thank you. Thank you. It doesn't mean you have to stop drinking or anything, so... (laughs) (laughs) Eh, I couldn't get my girlfriend to go out and get the the alcohol supply, so I'm stuck. Nah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I... um, like I said, I didn't know if you wanted to have me talk about stuff or if you just wanted sure. to talk in general. No, go but, ahead. Um, we,
1: we have no con- We have no topic today. We are always hoping will somebody will randomly come up with something for us to talk about to fill the four hours that the show runs oh, for. So. I, I should mention we've actually got a
9: couple of his games on my game site, too, who you need to show screenshots too. Okay.
11: Yeah, it, and that's what, uh, you know, Steve had found uh, Balloon Fire, which is one that I I made just for fun when I was doing uh, some uh, T&D cassette and chroma set and stuff like that but uh, I had done um, some really junky stuff and Jarb Software they had a small life history I guess in the Cocoa community but they had bought um, Grey Lady and Gunfire from me and uh, the uh, dates weren't exactly right I guess from when you talked about me a couple of sessions ago because I'd actually started out, uh, I was 15 when we first started cruising Radio Shack, looking at the computers, and I, uh, got mine when I was 16, and that's when I said, like, okay, well, what's this basic stuff, and, you know, then I was into electronics, so the easiest thing for me to do was to start reading technical manuals and learn how to write machine language, uh, on my own, so I started writing machine language, and, uh, found that there wasn't any real way to put it into the cocoa so I started writing things that would do poke routines and stuff like that And it, it wasn't until I got uh, the uh, editor assembler ROM pack and then kept going from there so it's, a, it's self-taught uh, learning about how the machine works rather than somebody who said yeah I know what a computer is and I know how it works uh, let me go ahead and start using it so uh, basically that's, that's the story of my time and I, I spent time, I'm a originally southern california so uh i've I've come in contact with steve a few times out there because i went to coco fest and um oh what was the other one that we had Um,
1: rainbow fest and
11: rainbow fest yeah and uh i think uh i think it was one in pasadena where he was having his uh premiere of uh uh the um desert rider oh that was color computer expo that was expo okay Yeah, that was where uh, I think it was the security team was nice enough to take your uh, ATV around and mess up the controls. That was Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: They decided it would. Well, they didn't turn on the motor. They pushed one another. We found out.
11: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that made it fun for all of us because we couldn't play the game on it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, that's basically the era I was in. Um, Little computer clubs and jumping online and learning about uh, everything from the ground up, you know. Basically uh he and Matthew Broadwick from War Games. <laughs> I,
1: I gotta say, and I'm delighted to have you and I'm i I'm, I'm so thrilled that every week we we get these people together. We're not and it's you what you touched on to me has just been something I never would imagine. So here I am this I'm just some jackass doing YouTube videos, right? And um and it turns out that not only did this connect with other fans of the color computer like myself which I didn't know existed but even better yet some of the authors of these games found my videos and reached out to me and then we just started this series of interviews things I never would have imagined um, you know back then and and also the fact that you said like at 16 years old you were doing assembly which it turns out I guess a lot of people did I must have been the only dumb teenager who had never occurred to that Mm. I could do assembly myself to me it always seemed like that was a grown-up thing. That's what the adults did. Somehow, I had it in my head that basic was for kids. Like, you know, hey, silly rabbit tricks are for kids. I thought that I was always having to do basic, or maybe it just never occurred to me I could learn this. So I <laughs> Time never grew up, Steve. Time yeah. Well, up. Listen, listen, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I just find that so impressive that teenagers made these assembly language games, and a lot of them are like commercial quality. You know, um, I always assumed that whoever it was, it was an adult. There was somebody who was in their 30s. They, you know, and they went to Computer Programming Inc. and they sat down in their computer programming office and they worked on games. I had no idea what it was like. And um, I, I'm so impressed by that, that, that literally kids were doing assembly language programming, you know? Um, and I still feel like such a loser because I haven't learned it yet. and Now I'm 50. So, <laughs> uh,
11: but My, mine was mostly because uh, I wanted to write video games and, you know, basic was just too slow.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, I get it. I get it. I I struggled with that. Um <laughs> Richard Orbieski says you're still a loser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
6: yeah.
1: So even without a mic he controls us. Yep. So that's good. Jim Brown At will least be he's proud. a mu-
9: loser with a mic there, Richard. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm so glad you found us, you know. I'm so glad we've been able to do things like these interviews and now Coco Talk and we have Coco Fest and Facebook and social media. It's it's such a great thing that, you know, it's a great time to live in to to geek out on nostalgia, you know? So thanks for being here. Um, you want to talk about some of the products you worked on, some of the projects you did, you know, some of the games you made and systems you worked on?
11: Oh, well, as, as far as uh, Cocoa was my my big thing. I messed with uh, some Apple and some uh, Vic 20 stuff and everything like that. But, you know, quite honestly, when I started messing with them, I learned that they were using the 6502 and I tried programming that and I was like, but this this thing is nothing compared to my sixty-eight oh nine. So Yeah. I hear that a lot. I hear
1: that all the time from people. So I'm I'm really Well I'm, that's because it's true.
6: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's exactly. why you hear it a lot.
11: Yeah. Yeah. Sixty eight oh nine was awesome. And uh I later on went on to school. I, I became an electrical engineer and uh you know, I was in chip design and stuff like that in school and I left and did uh facilities instead because uh, quite honestly, it's really hard to compete in the uh chip market because there's a lot of uh foreign interest and everything like that with the Pacific Rim and and uh the subcontinent of Asia, uh just being a powerhouse for those kind of guys and wanting to feed my family. I said, Well, I'll design electrical systems for buildings instead. But uh in uh in class we were designing things on a sixty-eight eleven and uh People were just like, "Oh, what is this thing?" And they were looking at it like a dinosaur because I went back to school late in time, and that was really great because I got to be project leader for them because they kept going. Well, how do you know how to program this thing? And I'm like, "Well, it's basically a microcontroller for the 6809." So all of my old Cocoa days came back, and and I just powered house through that class. Sweet. I love
7: it.
4: Sweet, yeah. Now you have to agree with the 6809. It's kind of like. There's so many different ways to do something, but with the sixty five oh two it's nightmare trying to find
11: one way to do it. Yeah, yeah, it and, just... you know and they had so few registers and addressing modes and everything. I mean, you had a full sixty four um, k worth of address memory uh, allocation you wanted to. like you guys were talking about clearing screens. That's one of the things that I started doing was uh, when I wanted to clear a screen, I loaded up all my registers with the color uh, I wanted to point at the user stack at the end of the screen and just said, push, till they were, until mm-hmm. the screen was empty, and I cleared a screen just like that, but if I was on an uh, uh, Apple or something, I'd have to store, increase, store, increment, store, increment, and it's like, okay, that was about 3,000 cycles, just to clear one line. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then self-modifying code,
9: because your registers are only
11: 8 bits. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a popular topic on
9: this show. Uh.
11: <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what, yeah. one of the things I was looking at, you know, if you guys had a topic you wanted to go into, was I'm listening to you all, and I stopped doing Coco. I had a Coco 3 and a multi-pack, and I, I got a hard drive, and I installed OS 9, and then it just kind of frizzled out. I went off and did other stuff. So uh, as far as what's going on since then, I listened to everybody, and I'm like, are there still Cocoa? uh somebody just running emulators. And are we still working with the original hardware or is it all way past Coco three, before Coco Four or like that? We'll
12: see.
1: Yeah, you you started to chop us chop up on us a little oh, bit there, but you know it's okay. No, I believe the answer is I think most people are working on hardware, but you know emulators are good and uh, cross development is taking place now too, where you can assemble your code on a PC and then just push it over to the Coco by different ways. So there's lots of overlapping and hybrid ways to do things. Um, Rick Adams developed his latest game on the uh, on the uh, Raspberry Pi you know, doing it all in MAME and Linux and stuff. So um, Mm -hmm. I don't don't think there's a wrong way to do it. And I think people have their way of choice. Uh, William Astle has a tool called LW Tools, which is a a cross-assembler you can run on a modern PC, assemble your code, and even have it output, I think, to a disk image. You guys could tell me better than that. I haven't used it yet. Um, Lots of ways to do it, which is interesting. It's an exciting time where the the, uh, development cycle is greatly reduced, I think, at this point.
9: Yeah. I, I use a combination myself. I use real hardware, and I actually do the assembly on some of the... Sometimes, sometimes on the real hardware, and then other times I'm doing, you know, debugging in MAME because it's got a really nice debugger, and sometimes I use VCC with the clock speed set to 89 megahertz just to do an assembly, like, in two seconds, and it just depends.
1: <laughs> I was yeah. trying to grab my cat. My cat was out there and meowing. We could have had cat number two in the show today, so...
11: <laughs> yeah, and... um and I've been hearing, uh, like you were talking about the Raspberry Pi, and, and I saw a Cocoa on a chip, which I thought was amazing, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't know if maybe we were going to get to the point where, like, you can go into the stores and you can buy a little tiny Cocoa that, um, you know, it's like a retro thing, and it, it you open it up and there's just one chip inside, but it does everything the original Cocos did, or something like that, because that seems to be popular with the retro communities with mm-hmm. video games mm-hmm. now. All right. But, uh if you did something like that, well, what would you be? A Cocoa One, a Cocoa Two, a Cocoa Three? <laughs> you know? All of the above. <laughs> yeah. all, right.
8: all the above. Yeah, I think all you movies. do is yeah.
4: you just don't call it Cocoa Four. You'll start a war. Right, yeah. right.
8: Yeah, well, just well, everybody would 5. like that title. <laughs> Complete I think with burning the, torches the, and pitchforks.
1: The biggest, the biggest challenge to doing something like the classic NES, you know, because Nintendo still exists. So for Nintendo to release a modern implementation of their old system is very easy. Radio Shack doesn't exist. The the ROMs that were written by Microsoft, um, you know, getting clearance to use those, I think, has been a, a discussion that nobody will know the answer to. We might as well talk about sound hardware. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's going to be really hard to release this. I, I always thought it'd be great. It, and, and actually, the the company to do it, if anything, would be Microsoft because they own the Xbox, you know. And Microsoft owns technically the basic ROMs. If we could yep. get Xbox to have a Cocoa emulator on there, dude, how awesome would that be? Um, but I think that's the hurdle to releasing a commercial Coco hardware-based emulator is the 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 intellectual property of these basic ROMs, you know. Yeah, think
11: well, about that. The, I, I only slapped uh, copyright, you know, and stuff like that on there, but I didn't. Have contracts or anything like that, or any agreements as far as you know Microsoft-level stuff, like you know Steve with DataSoft and Radio Shack and, and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anybody who's actually at the level that they can start saying, "Okay, I'd like to talk about what it would take to release the copyrights for these?
4: People? Well, I, I I got back all the licensing and everything that I own because um, good old. Uh, Tandy they sold all their intellectual property through basically buying by you know this company buying this company end up Samsung so I went to their lawyers and I told them hey you know you got this license you have to honor it you have to look for copyright violations and if you don't you can get sued and they just kinda like oh well for one dollar I'll buy back all my
11: licenses. Yeah, I, I had heard you, and it was kind of like um, a little bit of extortion. It's like either <laughs> sell me them for almost nothing, or you're going to have to take care of everything I ever asked you for. <laughs> well, they didn't even know they had that stuff
4: in there. So I got that. And then the there were some other issues with Datasoft stuff, and they eventually got sold to the Software Toolworks, and I talked to them, and I got all my copyright stuff back. So right. I'm. I basically own everything that I've done now, with the code. Awesome, nice. Yeah, of course. I something
11: that yes, I could. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
4: yeah, you know, in the case of Zaxxon, well, technically I can't do anything with that license because Sega still owns Zaxxon.
11: Right.
4: But there, there's a lot of little things in there that I own.
1: You know, and it's such a shame that it's going to be hard for you to release those because one of the things that's, well, at least release it like on an emulation platform. You could do like a, a compilation for somebody to run on a Cocoa. But, you know, my second favorite system next to the Coco is the Sega Genesis. And there is a brand new compilation that's coming out again now, which is, a, you know, all the first party titles of Sega titles being released for all the modern game consoles. It's like 50 games. In one collection that's going to be coming out soon. Um, and this is not the first time Sega has done that because I've got one for the Xbox 360 that was called the Sonic Ultimate. Uh, Genesis collection that had about 20 titles. Now there's a 50-title collection coming out for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and because somehow somebody's maintained those, you know, the, the the question of who owns the copyright. Because somebody has been able to hold on to these copyrights, they can now re-release these anthologies later on and just keep, you know, reissuing them every so many years to a new mm-hmm. generation and keep, you know, kind of. Reinvigorating that cash flow, um, and you're in that position to do that, uh, Steve Bjork. Uh, if you had a way to release, it would be great if you could release it on the Xbox, for example. You know right. the, the Steve Bjork collection. Unfortunately, I think you can only release it on a, on a real Cocoa hardware, though, right? No, no, it could be ported to other systems. Oh, it could be ported, but yeah, but you so yeah. you own the software. The software could be re, uh, redone, yeah. right? So
4: right. Oh, well, see, I also. Yeah, I also yeah, I own the rights of the the
1: concepts ah, too. Okay, uh, so we also now have Karen in the live chat, uh, Sixy, who who is the creator of the x roar emulator, and he says that a lot of the games are fine with a dummy ROM that only implements a few functions, such as the keyboard or joystick scan. So if you just do some of the ROM calls, is that the right term, and not yeah. the ROM code of BASIC, maybe you could get away with it. Yeah. So maybe a kind of hacked apart ROM that doesn't include the IP. Could possibly be mm-hmm. used in an emulation platform. A yeah, clean,
8: clean room version, maybe. Yeah.
4: yeah. So. It all, it, with the uh, stuff that Tandy produced, we were not really supposed to use the ROM, except for a couple of links went in for the keyboard and like that. Yeah. And. Um, so. But it, the problem is third-party software.
1: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like gonna, uh, it looks like Coco Man's uh, playing one of your games there, Terry.
8: <laughs> I, I was going to say Microsoft would be a good choice because the Applesoft Basic and the Commodore Basic are all based on Microsoft code, you know, as well right. as the So they would be the one that could, you know, stitch that all together.
1: Yeah. If anybody's got a contact at Microsoft, that's not some douchebag phone answering person. Because <laughs> that's the only thing anybody's um, gotten. So
8: I believe Scott. That Scott went uh, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. He might be able to uh, get us to the right people.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. we need an inside to get to somebody. It's kind of like it reminds me of the brother Jeremy thing, you know. It's like set set the source code free. You know what I mean? It's like come <laughs> on, Microsoft. Uh... <laughs>
9: yeah, it's too bad uh, Eric Gavrilik still doesn't work for Microsoft. He used to work there back in the nineties. So yeah, yeah.
4: Of course, well, Richard uh, has a suggestion uh, here too um, that I should port my game so that you could have a cheat code to skip past level one for stevie
1: (laughs) good one there richard yeah
8: stevie
4: warp
0: always
8: the level five
1: always the troll all right well we have been um we've been blathering here for already a half hour we're gonna take a commercial break but before we take a commercial break uh bruce moore you have provided us with Coco Forever teaser number two. So do I have your permission to uh, premiere and debut this teaser right now? Absolutely. All right, so people, stay tuned for the world premiere of Coco Forever's teaser number two, followed by some annoying commercials, and we'll be back.
7: Imagine a different world, a world where Tandy Corporation has the upper hand. Where the cocoa surpassed all competitors. And all you have to do is travel back in time without making a single mistake. Cocoa forever.
6: That is it. Feel? I'm still
9: definitely earned this office yes you're too kind and thank you (laughs) want to grab some food before we head back and look at that alt reality os9 module
1: (laughs) it's only 40 years past due but yeah sure
8: This is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer.
12: Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to
8: the Coco Crew podcast.
0: Hi, this is John And Neil Blanchard. We are the Cocoa Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Strode play video games, especially the Cocoa games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at cocoacrew.org.
1: What's going on, everybody? Original gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8Bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a coconut, Cocoa Talk, and other cool video game images on a T-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8Bit256.com today. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. All right, well we're back. We are back and better than ever. So what'd you guys think of that Coco Forever? Yeah, There's some pretty lame book.
9: voice acting in it. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know the old saying, you get what you pay for, right? So <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> I think I owe I want him. my
11: money back. <laughs> <laughs> Is Richard on mic? He's got his yeah, mic back. I got my mic back,
1: yeah. All right. Richard has his <laughs> microphone back. And we are yeah, I'm thankful. I'm looking
11: forward to it. It sounds like it, it sounds like it's going to be an adventure game where, you know, you got to release your software before Apple releases a Mac or something like that. That'll be great.
7: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Something I mean, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, um, Nick Morota says I love the Back to the Future influences there. Yeah, I mean it's such a great premise if you think about it because that's what we talk about all the time. Why did Tandy do that, and what could have been? The thing I thought was really interesting going back to Tandy Assembly of last year was hearing Don French tell the TRS eighty story. And what if you know what if they just had CPM or something else like that on the TRS eighty when it came out? We there may have never been an MS DOS. You know, um, it's just there's things that could have happened. And, uh, you know, it's just um, it, it's it's still, even now you just look at it. It's so hard to imagine that a company as big as Radio Shack and Tandy, which at one time was a, a global leader and an innovator, how they went from that to, you know, selling Sprint phones. Um, so <laughs> it's just the the decisions that we make in life, you know, so. Uh, they just
4: got greedy with the phone business.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, the, the I mean, if you think about it, if anybody could go back in time, obviously, what would you want to do? You would want to go back in time and make things better for yourself or anything else. So, um, you know, how, how does that song go? If I could turn back time, right? So um, prom, it's, it's a prominent theme in sci-fi and stuff like that. So I, I think it's great that it's now being applied to our beloved machine. and I can't wait to see what it's gonna what's gonna happen here. So, but I do agree that voice acting sucks. So, <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> uh, so we have a question, and I, and hopefully, um, hopefully Steve Powell is still. Um, Out there in live chat land, but we just got this email right before the show started and I figured this would be a great panel discussion because it's not uh, (laughs) Norlander says don't give up your day job Steve. Yes Yeah, trust me if I if I didn't if I gave up my day job uh, We wouldn't be having this show because I wouldn't be able to pay the bill Um, So uh, Steve Powell says I would like to use my color computer for more for more than just gaming Why? (laughs) Why? Yes. Why? Why? Why would
4: you have it? It was an excellent game machine.
1: (laughs) What I want to use uh, it for requires print capability. I've been watching eBay for printers, but they're mostly sold as is. And a lot of them are too high priced, not to mention the issue of getting or keeping stock of print ribbons. Is there a way for the color computer to print to a modern printer? I know you can print via drive wire using OS9, but I want to print from the Coco directly to a printer. So there I is our computers. question. Okay, David Ladd. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hear uh, a tech response from David Ladd.
5: All right. Um, one, you need a printer um, that has at least a parallel port, you need a serial to parallel port converter. Or you can get a printer that has a serial port. Um, you can get some receipt printers that still have serial ports. Um, the important thing is is you need to make sure that the printer that you choose is not specifically for only Windows. Um, printers that still support like the PCL format, like laser printers, those are still usable. Um, like the receipt printers that use the Escape, Um, Sequences, those are still usable. Um, So those type of printers you can get and use. Um, Unfortunately, the ones that use proprietary signaling that are for Windows or have ported drivers for Mac, (laughs) yeah, you're not going to get unless you do some really funky stuff.
9: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, because most modern printers are basically... You're dumping huge bitmaps that the computer has to generate first. Whereas the older PCL programming control language that HP did, um, those of you can actually send escape sequences and ASCII text and stuff, and it'll print that out. The newer ones, you're basically doing raw bitmaps every time.
1: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So the answer is yes, with the right yes. device. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Serbinski is asking Is the Epson LX series still for sale? Um, I don't know how to answer that question.
8: I'm, I'm pretty sure Okie Data still makes impact printers and stuff yep, for like yep. receipt printing. So, um, yeah, I don't know about the Epson. Okay.
5: Yeah. The Oki Datas, yeah, um, where I used to work many years ago, um, were selling those still. And uh, Okidata Data was a good one because right. there's still businesses these days that use what they call um, carbon paper so that way they can print once Mu- on multi-part forms. Right, right. So, yep. and yeah, auto, you auto need dealers, a printer for that. Yeah,
1: auto dealers are notorious for, for needing that. You know, when you buy a car, you got lots of
4: paperwork. Um, now, now, and the, David really makes an important point there, is that a printer that's got a parallel port is a very slow communication device that can't take a lot of data. And it's really difficult to take dumping the entire bitmap through a parallel port onto the uh, printer and not have it wait 20 minutes before it prints out the page so it's got to receive the text which is just the letter and then convert that into the bitmap imagery that would go down on there so yeah, that's probably the most important thing you're looking for is something that's got a parallel port there you go
8: looks like Looks like Epson still has an LX350 impact printer for $231.
1: Okay. So here's the next dumb question. If you're going to be communicating with that, pair, that printer over serial port, you have to know what the baud rate is on the printer itself or how to adjust that baud rate, and then you have to set the cocoa to match that baud rate, right?
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. yeah. Um, normally, the cocoa by default, I believe, if I remember, the specification is 600 baud. Yep. That's right. I remember it is. It. And mm-hmm. so... The the important thing is finding a printer that can go to that um, or at least having software that can be adjusted to...
9: In in basic, it's pretty easy. You poke 149 and 150, there's a table of values you can find on the web that you can go all the way up to 9,600 baud.
1: Okay.
11: And uh, same if you're
9: doing it under OS9, Nitrous 9, there's an X mode, your slash P, you can change the baud rate. Okay. Yeah,
1: that's
11: one of the first things I did was got a... uh, uh, serial lapel of converter and just crank that sucker up. I think I had 19.2 on mine, and I can't remember if it was because I was using high-speed poker. Or not, but yeah. Yeah, it, I think it did require the high-speed
9: poker. Yeah. I remember that, like, the Blue Streak Ultima was a 19.2. I had a PBH, which was only 96, but that was an old Cocoa One Two One. one.
5: Now, there's another option. Um, I haven't done this myself, but I've heard of people taking um, uh printers like the PCL laser printers, like uh, the brothers, because they also still sell printers that do the PCL. Um, What you can do is you can use like uh, a Raspberry Pi or something to do the serial conversion to the Ethernet. So that way then you can send the, the data stream straight to like a more, you know, networked printer. Too as well if that's an option
1: so how would you do that you would have to connect your cocoa to a usb to serial adapter plug that into the bitbanger port have the raspberry pi intercept that serial data and then redirect that to a network printer
5: yep um how it's done i've i've seen it done on many youtube videos but i haven't done it myself
1: Is is it safe to assume that most printing out of the Cocoa would be coming through the built in serial port that we affectionately call the Bitbanger versus an add on RS 232? Yes. Okay. And then Steve Powell is asking where would we find a serial to parallel converter? The internet. The internet! Okay, what's the what's the <laughs> web address to that? Is that www.theinternet.com? It, yeah. yeah <laughs> go yeah, for a colon.
7: Find me the thing.
4: You, you just do a search. You go to Amazon, Newegg, um, I mean, any of the companies that sell this stuff. <laughs> Best
1: answer ever, the yeah. internet. <laughs>
8: <laughs> Actually, the Epson LX350 page says parallel serial or USB. Ooh. It says
1: plug it into the USB port in your cocoa and be done with it.
8: <laughs> hey, one of those
1: right <laughs> so um excellent excellent well hopefully we what provided you- a valuable community service today
4: of course if alan was here he'd say use that wi-fi uh, project he's working on right
6: yeah
11: the way that i did it where you just get a schematic and then you get a breadboard you put all the jumper cables in there and then you connect your wires to it you know that that'll do it for you
4: That's 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 Alan using uh, breadboard and jumper cables. (laughs)
11: And
1: I believe Alan runs all his wiring schematic designs through Grant Leedy for proper color coding and uh, IEEE compliance. Right, Grant?
2: Yep.
6: (laughs) I I do (laughs) a great (laughs) job at wiring.
4: And to avoid (laughs) ratness... He uses a curling iron to twist <laughs> up the cables
9: <laughs> to shorten the leads, uh, and then Richard Lorbieski takes that design, screws it up, and then sells it. So,
8: <laughs> well, and then and, and then Jim Brain uh, does all the warranty returns. <laughs> but David Ladd figures it out eventually, and David time. Ladd will yeah. break it.
6: <laughs> People <laughs> always wondered why Jim. Jim. Oh, circle.
8: Yeah,
4: everybody's always wondering why Jim is such a troll. Well, now we know. He deals with warranty returns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, dear God and baby Jesus. Okay, so we're putting a link in the uh, live chat now to Epson for work printers. There we go. This segment is sponsored by Epson printer products. <laughs> Get so. your
4: workforce printer today. That's yeah.
9: it. I, I do know the Coco did run with some of the older inkjets, too. I used to have a, um, what was it, the Canon... Forty-one ten or something is a color inkjet printer, and actually still had escape codes and stuff too. Actually, wrote some special drivers to you know do stuff like you know change the cartridge or the ink cartridge. It would actually like send the code to tell it to dislock the cartridge and then move it to where you could replace it and stuff. I had a little utility for it, but you could actually do full color graphics and stuff like that slowly, mind you. But it, that worked too. But I don't know if that's that kind of stuff still supported in modern inkjets. Okay.
5: Um,
1: so, does he say what he actually wants to print? He did not that's probably classified
5: but as far as like (laughs) um there are some inkjets that also supported the pcl format like a lot of the hp inkjets um the early ones like the hp deskjet 500 the 500c um even the 880c that i still have sitting over here which is usb and parallel um it supports the pcl format so um
1: it's amazing it's amazing how seemingly obsolete technology sometimes somehow ends up finding a second life you know it's like why would anybody want it's like people are thinking to themselves right now why would anybody want to work on a 30 year old computer when well, that's what well, it's neither here nor there but now that we are why would anybody want that old crappy printer, you know? <laughs> Why do you want that yeah. old printer when the new ones are so much better? Well, because my old 35-year-old computer won't talk to the new stuff. So,
4: yeah.
9: uh, well, it's uh, <laughs> an alternative way of playing songs like you can do with floppy drives. If you time the motors right, you can play a song on it. You can also yeah. do that on the printer with print a so. ah, you
4: know I mean? Yeah, but the, the thing, though, is those printers back then, the ink for their cartridges wasn't the same price as gold today. Yeah, right. Like all the other cartridges are.
6: hmm
1: yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah, nowadays you're paying $40 an ounce for ink. And, uh, you know, usually when I pay $40 for an ounce of anything, I end up smoking it, so. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we didn't need it
4: for that, Steve.
3: <laughs>
1: uh, Steve. I, I do He needs to, to
3: come out to California.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're up to Canada. Yeah. Hey. hey.
9: hey.
11: I I had just ribbons, and uh, I would re-ink them with those bingo stampers that my mother had.
1: Oh, neat. Yeah, Yeah. the liquid inks. Uh, 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 Ron Del had showed something where he was spraying WD-40 onto the ribbons to kind of reinvigorate those. Yeah, to loosen up. up. Yeah. Correct. If you
8: have have dried ribbons, you just spray them down with WD-40 and let them soak for a bit. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so there's different ways uh what's what, what's the new original stock and old ribbons is are new ribbons being manufactured now is that because they still make dot matrix printers you got to think there's some some being made somewhere, right? Didn't we have boxes of at Rainbow Fest or Cocoa Fest? Mhm. That was ink cartridges at the last one. Oh, was it ink? <laughs> yeah. Okay. That they was like empty. the fruit cake.
0: <laughs> the box of
1: recyclable ink cartridges that just won't go away. Um
5: yeah well there's also re-inkers for those um ribbon cartridges too um use the same concept as a tape player basically you'd stick it in and then you'd have this spongy um roller that would roll through the ink and then it would hit the the ribbon and it would just roll ink right onto the the ribbon
6: hmm Uh
4: uh-oh what do you bring back
1: uh here's Marco. And by the way, very nice shirt you have there, Marco Verholzer. Okay, that's a Star inkjet printer uh, cartridge. That's a small one that goes right over the head. They have the bigger ones that were the two, like, you know, real-to-real ones. We can't hear you, Marco. He, he's miming.
8: Sorry, it's, it's a Dot Matrix one. Here's some more. They're yeah. the Underwood yeah. typewriter type ones.
1: Okay, Nate, Still in the bag. Look at that! He's got a bag of Holy ribbons. God. Yeah, so
9: he's, he's ready for the printer apocalypse. It looks like hey. I do.
8: I have a printer to go with him too.
1: Okay, Norlander asking why not use the parallel port on the Distro Super Controller too, <laughs> if you have one of those, right? So.
9: Yeah, there's various like the J and M had a parallel port. Distro uh, had yeah, a which few, I use. Few expansion cards with parallel ports. The Eliminator had a parallel port. Yeah.
5: Even the, dragon, the Dragons had a parallel port. Yep. <laughs> the
9: real parallel port is much faster than the serial <laughs> parallel from experience.
1: Richard, why don't you verbalize that chat comment you just threw out there? Oh, I'm just saying that
9: Mark is the bag lady of printer ribbons
6: now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. oh, God. Oh, and Terry, nice. you're you to
8: i got to keep him somewhere. <laughs> Well, I just asked you I thought somebody
11: said, did somebody say Dragon came standard with a parallel port? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I
4: did Didn't also know. have an RS two thirty two port too?
11: Yep, well, the um, on, did on, on the Dragon sixty four. On yeah. the yeah. Dragon
5: sixty four and, and Tano was the only ones that had the uh RS two thirty
8: two. They all came with parallel.
11: Yeah, Mark, the, the Dragon sixty four was what the Coco two should have been.
9: It was almost a deluxe cocoa minus the sound chip. Real keyboard, yeah. real parallel, yes. real serial. Yeah. Room for expansion. If you yeah. could get
1: those any closer to the microphone, uh, Mark overholzer two, you you can probably get it to the point where we can't hear anything else on the show.
9: shopping
4: cart. Why is it everybody, when it comes to six zero nine, who does doesn't want to put a damn sound card in? You know? Uh, yeah.
1: Hey, Michael Brandt just joined us in a live chat. He says the Distro 4-in-1 had a printer port, too. Okay. Uh, there you go. And Michael. By the way, at, 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 the, at the Retro Computer Club last week, which I'll show you guys some footage of here shortly, Michael Brandt brought basically everything ever made for the Cocoa 1, 2, or 3. He just had bins. It looked like cloud. I called him Cloud 10 because he had just bins <laughs> and bins and bins of hardware. Michael Brandt Yeah, so... Um, So, yeah, I was going to show some of that. So, yeah, we did not have a live Cocoa Talk last week because i was in central florida at the florida retro computer club which i did live stream but there was also the microphone was super sensitive and you basically heard everything in every part of the room so i think it was hard to focus on any one thing Um, i do have some footage i took with a handheld camera and the camera's a little bit shaky but at least the audio is a little bit less broad spectrum a little bit more focused on who's speaking and so i do have some of that to show which we'll hopefully get to sometime today if anybody's interested in seeing some of that when i'm done editing all of that i will post it on my og stevie Stro channel um which will be the future home of retro talk and other things like that um but yeah i do have some of that to show and i do have some of michael's exhibit that we can show off if anybody wants to see that he had some pretty cool stuff he actually had the coco um fpga not the coco on a chip but the coco fpga the um the Becker one, yeah, the, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He had that one hooked up, which looks pretty cool, and it's in a nice case with the you know plexiglass top and everything else like that. So that was kind of cool. Uh, a lot of cool systems. I'm still I'm still editing that. Kind of ran out of time today. Um, David Ladd, do you have anything technical you want to talk about this week?
5: Um, as far as breaking things, not specifically. I do have um, update. For one of my little project boards that finally came in and I assembled. So
1: okay, well, and and Ron Dovell has got lots of stuff to show us off today. Ron, would you? Uh, we're going to take a break. Ron, would you like to go first, or would you like David to do an update and then you go? Yeah, let
0: David, because I'm still fooling around okay
1: and even though you technically haven't broken anything this week david we've got some really good video intro clips for you of what did david break this week and they're too good not to show so we're going to show those anyway so um we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we'll be back with a david ladd tech moment so stay tuned people
0: hi this is dale your designer of trs80 color baseball and you're listening to coco talk
1: YouTube. <laughs> Everybody, it's me, it's original gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD today, head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring color computer. We'll be right back after this video by the original gamer Stevie Stro. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stro sent you. It's the oldest line in the book mention my name and get a good seat, right? Um, Thank you. So, we're gonna have a David Ladd tech uh, segment here, but we've got these really great video pieces that our good friend Brian Joyce in Australia, Nick's neighbor, has produced for us. So, what you guys are gonna see right now is the world premiere of another little video intro segment clip here that's called What Did David Ladd Break This Week? So, enjoy this, folks. <laughs> There you go. You you just have to love hardware destruction. There's nothing like it in the world. So, Uh, David Ladd, how are you this week, David?
5: Oh, I'm doing extremely well, Stevie. How are you?
1: (laughs) We're doing extremely well, too. (laughs) Thanks for being here today, David. Taking away from your busy schedule of breaking things.
5: (laughs) Why, thank
9: you, Stevie. Now he's going to break the show. (laughs) It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna
1: break the internet. Uh, so, what do you got for us this week, David?
5: Well, um, I finally got in um, some test boards for my ESP8266-01 to RS232 adapter boards.
1: Okay, and for and anybody who doesn't know what an ESTP three six five RJ nine doohickey <laughs> thing is, what is that? R
8: two D two. Nanu nanu.
5: Yeah, and 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 ESP eighty two sixty six, at least the O1 model, has um, a transmit and receive TTL data lines, so that way you could you know use it with like an RS two thirty two to a TTL adapter, and then. Um you can then connect your RS 232 using one of these ESPs to your Wi-Fi network. Okay. Um, and in my case, I wanted a way that I could take a short four pin din or not din four pin yeah four pin din, which would be the bit banger to a DB9, and then hook it to one of these ESPs so I could, have the cocoa on one side of the room but the pc that's running drive wire on the other side of the room so that way i didn't need to run a 50 foot rs-232 cable and i wired it up and uh soldered the headers the other components on and did a test run uh three days ago and uh worked great did
1: you use a curling iron when you soldered this
5: Um, No, but
1: I I did borrow some of Curtis's hair. (laughs) (laughs) For the uh, rosin? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this becomes a serial-to-Wi-Fi bridge. Yes. What's the receiving end of this?
5: Well, pretty much uh, with the firmware that uh, I'm using, which um, Mikey um, found... And I tried it out. Um, The firmware is called ESP Link. And then once you install the firmware on the 8266, you can then, um, like for instance, from Drivewire, you can tell Drivewire to connect to the IP address and the port on the ESP, and then you get your.
1: Uh Ah, so this is a peer to peer connection from this little magic box to the PC running Drivewire or vice versa. So is DriveWire in this sense acting as the, the server or the client?
5: Um, it's still the server, but it's connecting, you know, you can either with DriveWire, you can use serial, you can do TCP. And if you do TCP, DriveWire can sit in what they call TCP server mode or TCP client mode.
0: Okay. But the,
5: T, the DriveWire server is still a server, but it's just how you're telling it to communicate with the receiving um, serial converter.
1: Okay. Let me interrupt you real quick. I want to ask you a dumb question. I want to pull this up on Google so I can see what this box looks like, and I'm going to share that screen. So what is this thing called again?
5: Um, The ESP8266-01.
1: ESP8266-01. Okay, and um, help me out here. Let me go over to full screen. Tell me if I'm looking in the right direction here. Uh, images. So here's a number of different images for these things here. Uh, um, second,
5: second line, left one. Second line down.
8: Here.
5: Yes. One those two. The yep. Either of those. Those are the ESP8266-01s.
1: Okay. So this looks like a really simple, almost dumb thing by me looking at it. It's a little PCB with a couple of doohickeys soldered onto it. How does this? How do you make it connect to your Wi-Fi? Do you need a PC to intervene here somehow? Connect this to your PC via USB to configure it or something? Or,
5: um, you can program it different ways. Um, usually, um, if you've got a uh, what they call an RS two thirty two to TTL adapter that would then connect to this, you could technically use a um, RS-232 program on the Coco that's set at the same baud rate that the ESP runs at and configure it from the Coco.
1: Does it have any type of, like, menu, on-screen menu built into it? No. So you have to just basically send commands to the chip somehow? There's a language for it to program this, or...?
5: Yeah, if, if you're using the default firmware, it's a very simplified AT command sequence. Uh, but if you program it with the ESP link firmware, um, then you configure that from, like, your smartphone or your PC via a web browser and, you know, set the options.
1: Yeah, I'm just that. trying to figure out at this point now, if I, have, if I bought one of these right now, being the dumbass that I am, what do I got to do to get it on my home Wi-Fi?
5: Um... Well, it would just involve um, a needing a adapter to hook it through the USB port on your PC. Um, but like I said, if you wanted to use it on the Coco, you would have to have uh, RS232 to TTL level shifter adapter, kind of like what Alan's doing with his uh, um, project with the the Cocoa Wi-Fi for, uh, the mm. RS-232 pack. Um, and then you just use a, like, um, ultimate term. I believe ultimate term can do 115 K, um, on the, uh, Bitbanger. Um, so you just go through, set it, and then you would go through and, you know, do the AT command sequences and, um, configure it
1: okay well you've basically not answered my question so thanks for that.
4: <laughs> uh, kids kids remember uh, there will be a test on this later so take
1: notes.
4: Make sure
9: you memorize all those numbers of all the parts and stuff. Yeah
1: yeah, oh, yeah. okay. So you got to remember I'm well, thick I'm thick headed. I'm not a hardware or software guy. You got to speak English and you got to speak dumb English for me to understand you. So um, And and you well, need lots and it, lots it, of it, pictures basic- because he doesn't read manuals. <laughs> yes.
6: Yeah, well
5: I'm, I'm Unfortunately, Stevie, that's it's. You just follow the guides that they have for running the AT commands, programming it, or if you want to put different firmware on it, you still have to follow the guides. So okay. it's just it's not something that I can just give you a yeah, two-minute okay. blurb. No, yeah,
1: I get and, you. I get you. So, so this somehow, is
2: not an ease of use.
1: Not easy of use. So you, you configure this little doohickey to get on your Wi Fi. It then grabs an IP address from your home network. And then with that IP address, it, it then is communicating with DriveWire. And it essentially becomes a wireless serial bridge to your DriveWire server.
5: Yes, with the right okay. firmware. And once you've got it configured,
1: mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Okay, that much I can grasp. Um, but the process, but I guess that's okay. Somebody who knows how to do this or is interested in doing this can contact David Ladd for further assistance. Uh, or, or do that thing they call reading. Yeah, whatever. Or, uh, spend
4: two <laughs> nights with them in Discord. <laughs>
9: yeah. And come back it's even a, more confused than when you started.
1: Yeah, Okay. <laughs> So that's interesting, and that's a slight. Now, this is where I get confused on all these wireless and Bluetooth projects because there's different ways to implement things. You're doing a wireless serial bridge, right? Essentially.
5: Yes, it's a it's it's kind of like the old RS two thirty two to Ethernet bridges that's been mm-hmm. around for years.
1: Okay. Except
5: this is just. This is just doing a Wi-Fi version of it, okay. where you still, the software still needs to connect to an IP address. But right. instead of it being where you still run a 50 or 100 foot cable, now right. you have the freedom of using Wi-Fi to connect to your network.
1: Roger that. Now, and this is different from what Alan Huffman is doing with all of his Coco BBS type stuff over Wi-Fi, right?
5: Right. that His that's phone. not a
1: serial bridge right
5: well it's using a different version of the 8266 um, that has more pins but he's using it as with the what they call the Zmodem modem um, firmware so that Zmodem? way it right so that way it's seen as a modem so as far as the cocoa on the rs 232 pack it is seen as a modem Okay. You do an ATDT or right, ADT, right, 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 you know, right. and give it the URL and the port, and boom, you're connecting to your BBS. Right, yeah, it's, and it's basically a
9: serial, um, a serial connection as far as the Coke is concerned that has the old Haze command set extended to handle web pages and telnet. Right, and, and that's where we can do things like telnet BBSs and things like that, or
1: incoming yeah. sessions and stuff, which is a yes. it's a, a different application to a similar technology. Yes. Okay.
5: I, yeah, I think I understand that. Yeah, that ESP8266-01, if you are a person that don't use DriveWire, you can actually put that Zamonum firmware on that 01 and do the same thing with the BitBanger.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is where I got confused last time because it was mentioned on the last Cocoa Crew podcast because Alan Huffman's blog posts and stuff were mentioned several times, and each time they said... Yes, but you could do that with drive wire. But the thing about drive wire is it requires the cable and it requires this and it requires that. And what Alan also mentioned was that what he's doing does not require nitrous 9, where most of the drive wire stuff is pretty much exclusively um, utilized by nitrous 9. So the fact that this can be done in RS DOS and in BASIC um, is something that drive wire can't do, right?
5: Right. Well, in the case of mine, since I was focusing on wanting to make wire wireless, so I didn't need the long-ass cable. That's why I went this route.
6: Mm-hmm. But,
5: using the Zimodem stuff with the firmware on the same ESP-01, I don't need DriveWire. I can just bring up Mickey Term, or mm-hmm. uh, Greggy Term, or Ultimate yes, direct Term. Coco. Mm-hmm. And I just talked to the, the Zimodem software, just like it was a modem, 30 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, and yep. do the same thing. Yeah. Whereas with Drivewire, if you want that the virtual serial ports through it, Nitrous Nine is the only place right now that has the ease of use to getting to those virtual serial ports, as no one's written anything for Disc Basic to use the virtual serial port functions of Drivewire.
1: Roger that. Okay, that's cool. So you can now do drive wire type stuff wirelessly. So now it's drive wireless.
5: <laughs> if you want. <laughs>
1: uh, okay. I actually understand that. Cool. And I'm the barometer on this show. So if my dumbass can get it, anybody can get it. So... Um, Excellent for that. And I think we, we we have peaked at something like 27 simultaneous viewers right now, which is pretty good. Um, so thank you all who are still out there an hour and 11 minutes later. You're still there. You've been hanging on. You know, 26 people are still hanging out with us, so we certainly appreciate that. Um, cool stuff, David. Is that is that enough? Have we have we beat that one to death?
5: Um, for me, that's the only um, project update that I've been... You know, working on um, other than what Curtis mentioned um, 45 minutes ago about the Coco VGA stuff. So,
1: oh, how you it's guys almost are, working.
5: It's almost you guys working.
1: are um, working on drivers support for an ease of use for that.
5: Uh, for level yeah. one, actually.
1: Oh, level yeah. one, which did not have.
5: Right. Um, did... Bo- Boise had made some firmware that, or some drivers updates um, last year, Um, but unfortunately they never made it to the live repo, but Curtis and I have made quite a few changes to some of the modules and how they were, so we had to manually import um, Boise's code. And then, strangely enough, um, when Ron was testing it, it worked perfectly fine, well, most of the time it worked perfectly fine with DriveWire. But if you wasn't using DriveWire, then the Cocoa VGA didn't work at all. Hmm. So it was it was bizarre. So yeah. and,
9: and Ron was running, he was testing it for us, Ron was running an older version of the firmware. And then when we sent it to Brendan to test on his new version of the firmware, it was doing the same odd behavior right out the gate, even with Boise's original stuff. So now we're trying to track down exactly what what changed and what caused it but basically he's got a couple switches on the back and if you hold down the one switch it will work so you you can use it as it currently stands but it isn't kicking into the 64 column mode correctly right now it allocates a screen it comes out as a bunch of graphics gibberish stuff
1: so level this is for level two level one Uh, one level one which was designed for the 64k coco one and two
9: so this, this, once it's done, we'll work on the Dragon 32, the Dragon 64, the Cocoa 1 and 2, TDP 100, etc. If they get the
1: VGA upgrade. Yeah. And the advantage here is, is that level one was really in the wonky 60, you know, 32 column by 16, all uppercase text mode. So now we're going to get a 64 by 32 mixed case, better yeah. terminal display. Essentially, right?
9: Yeah, I mean, there was there was alternatives. In fact, we'll be working on drivers for the, that the Dragon originally had two for forty two and and fifty one common done in the graphics mode. But those are obviously slower They take more RAM. Right, right, And right, And right, when right, when right. you only have sixty four K to begin with, you don't have a lot of RAM to play with as it is. And so level helps.
1: level one did not support any of the features like uh, M shell or G shell or anything like that because those were all requiring higher graphics modes. Right, there was no GUI f- for lack the closest of term. the
9: level one had for GUI was DeskMate.
1: Deskmate. Okay. And that was like originally a, a P mode 4 application. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, thank you, David. Uh, Ron Delvo, will you be ready for your um, demonstration?
0: Yeah, hit me up. Hit me up. All
1: right. Well, we'll take another quick commercial <laughs> break and then we'll come back with some Ron's Garage with Ron Delveaux. Thank you all. We'll be back. And thank you, all 26 people who are still here. We'll be back in just a bit.
0: Welcome to Ron's Garage. This is it. This is the place. This is where you should be. This is where you should tune in because Stevie Stroh has a great show. It's called Coco Talk.
7: Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionettes, author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot and I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system OS OS 9. 9. OS 9 and its current incarnation Nitrous 9 is the most advanced operating system ever created and what makes it so good? Ease of use! I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual and yet, I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda.
6: <laughs>
7: Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.
1: And what does OS9 bring to us? Ease abuse. That's right, ease of use. Well, we're back with another live episode of Coco Talk, and Ron DelVoe has been with us for quite some time, but I believe Ron had a restraining order against his garage, and I believe all um, legal uh, obligations have been met. So since we're now officially going back to a Ron's Garage segment taking place in Ron's actual garage, I believe it's only appropriate that we start off with a very cool intro graphic and theme song. So let's start off with that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for Ron's garage with a peek into the past featuring the vintage computing collection of Ron Bowl. So take it away,
0: Ronnie. Yeah. <laughs> Dig that music. Well, what we have here today in the garage is... Uh... <clears throat> Chandy 1000 and uh, we're gonna demo a couple things okay playing uh some of the sound chip noise that this uh machine makes because it's uh similar to the chips that uh some of us uh in this group have uh, actually um you know put to uh solder (laughs) yeah okay
1: That was my second computer, was the Tandy 1000. My first was the Cocoa. Tandy 1000
0: was my second. I don't know if you can see it well. But one of the first things I want to show is uh, this. um, I have a mouse, Logitech. And um, to tell you the truth, I didn't think I even had one. But um, this has a nine pin on the back not a USB which right. is interesting. <laughs> Here it is. Look at and the mouse works. Yeah, look at that. Mouse first. You have to type in mouse and then it has to install the uh, mouse driver. Okay. Before I can use it. Serial mouse. Serial mouse. Yep. And you can see it uh pretty snappy that uh it's a 80 what is it? 8088 processor.
1: Yeah. Is yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. And Anyways, this, is, uh, this is before yeah. windows was big and so yeah. to have a ms dos based gui system and and applications like this was actually pretty uh innovative
0: and the tc logo showing up when uh there's it's yeah. doing something uh, corporation okay yeah
1: i had the first version of desk Make on mine that was actually all text-based so that was like almost an old version of Microsoft Works where you had these individual apps, but there wasn't a GUI. So there was a text-based word processor, a text-based spreadsheet, text-based terminal program. So this was the second generation of DeskMate for the um, – I think this one was released with like the EX and, and HX and SX ones. But
0: um, my first version was all text. It's, it's hard to tell where on the um, arrow – That's the actual selecting is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big one. I want to hit exit here. I don't want to hit print. Must be the very tip. That's what she said. I want to play a game. So I want to get out of here. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So they had a paint program too. I remember doing artwork with this. Yeah. It's also a uh, also a hangman game. Ah, neat. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so let's get to the game. And this was kind of like value-added
1: software that was bundled with this. Because if you bought a PC, if you're lucky, it came with MS-DOS, and that was it. So Tandy was basically saying, "We are PC compatible? And we've got this value-added bundled software of this productivity suite, um, which was kind of a cool feature, and it was a good selling point. I sold lots of Tandy 1000s when I was a salesperson there.
4: Well that's uh, the whole idea the GUI interface was make the computers easier and that's mm-hmm. what Tandy's clients mostly were, where they weren't that computer sophisticated.
0: This has six forty K. Ooh, who needs it's more 40. than that?
1: It's <laughs> max. Who could now ever I mean, need more than that?
3: Yeah. Is how that
2: many a real people CM remember CM
3: eleven? Huh? Yeah, it
0: looks
2: like it is. CM eleven.
0: Um, we're going to um well that's (laughs) rebooting let's go to this one over here that's already running this
1: is an hx ah nice dual 3.5 floppies that's a
0: and uh i got it hooked up to the sound so let's hear um let's see i gotta see if you can see it good can you see it good
1: yeah, yeah. You you know what I don't remember. Does anybody remember? Did any of the Tandy one thousands have a BIOS you could get into? Like a user configurable BIOS?
9: I don't
2: think so. I
9: don't Not think the early so ones either. for sure. Unless maybe some of the latest models did.
1: You're missing a door in that monitor run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was a common
9: tandy and monitor ailment.
1: <laughs>
6: I don't know where I put it. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: It's
1: better now. You just lowered it. Or maybe not.
6: A
0: lot of credits.
1: Yeah. this were the best parts.
11: Just like the end credits to this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. Wow. Remind me to remove voice and Tech from the uh, from those credits so we can shorten oh, it just I a bit. I resemble that comic.
0: <laughs> yes, music was so great back then on those computers. It was. So uh, is this? Uh, this is the HX. Does it have the same chip that we were talking about? The sound chip. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is what's in the Game Master cartridge. This is what uh, John Linville and John Strong will be using.
0: All right, so um, let's go to the other machine here. See. See. How, do, how do we
1: silence this one now <laughs> yeah, just uh, okay it has hopefully, the volume
0: hopefully, control on the hopefully side. My, yeah hopefully my ears will stop bleeding in the next hour or two <laughs> really <laughs> this has a hard drive in it i think it's uh 15 megabytes Ooh, look and you got mixed floppies there too you're very avant-garde there run oh it's
11: let's
1: rocking it. five and a quarter three and a half you can handle just about anything with this
0: machine yeah oh yeah let's see um I want to go to games.
1: That thing got a Hemi in it?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) What about a zip drive? If I handed you a
0: zip disk. I don't have a zip thing, no. Hello, Port. So this is Prince.
1: Prince of Persia? Yep. Now you're going to do
9: some purple rain for us. Oops. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Mechner Now show it running three or four programs at once <laughs> uh, Hey, yeah. just view was a thing
1: Eskimate was great for single-tasking
2: <laughs> Hey Steve, i got a question for you while we're waiting here yeah. Is there a way to play these old games on uh, modern computers?
1: Uh, Through DOSBox is one way Yep, or uh, BDOS uh, or another one is I use specifically for a lot of the Sierra games an emulator that's called um, Scum VM S-C-U-M-M which is uh, Scum was the game engine that Sierra Online came up with uh, Sierra had a bunch of graphics adventures similar to, uh, uh, excuse me, Lucas LucasArts had some graphics adventures similar to Sierra's. Sierra was called AGI, Adventure Game Interpreter. And then um, LucasArts came up with a, uh, a graphics adventure engine called SCUM. And so there is a very specific emulator that's called SCUM VM that targets most of the Sierra and LucasArts graphics adventure games. And it it gives you a lot of options. It'll emulate the Tandy three voice music. It'll emulate the Roland MT uh, synthesizer. It'll it'll emulate like the Gravis sound and Tandy sound source. So it emulates a lot of the retro sounds uh, that were were options of that era. And I typically use Scum VM for most Sierra games to play them in Tandy mode very faithfully. Nice. Yeah, and that's a free emulator.
2: And you buy the software or do you have to own uh, it There's
1: stuff. a lot of abandonedware sites where you can get these. <laughs> yeah, that looks really good. Was it Tandy I, 16 color mode? Yeah, yeah, that's what I loved about the Tandy. T- I look at the Tandy 1000 as like the first gaming PC. Because it had 16 color and 3 voice music that were not standard issue features of most of your typical PCs at that time.
8: And Radio Shack had such a presence; they could uh, push yeah. that. It became a standard. Mm-hmm. Jafar.
0: This is on the hard drive.
1: Yeah.
2: Always oh, love. God, this brings like memories.
1: No, oh, yeah. I can never get very far in a game, but it's always fun to watch the guy run, you know.
5: That doesn't
8: surprise me. <laughs> this, was, this was so good because Jordan Mechter actually did rotoscoping of, uh, of images. Yeah, he, he actually did yeah, his film and video. His brother
9: was his animation character. Yeah.
8: Hmm. Yeah, just way above anything else of the era.
9: And I think this first
1: debuted on the Apple II, right? Yep.
8: Yep. That was his primary machine. It was
1: groundbreaking. The sands
0: of time. Kind of like watching a movie. Yeah. Yep.
1: There's the Coco Cat.
8: Mm -hmm. And of course, it's just a team of one, basically. Well, I guess his father did music too, so I think some of the music was done by his father. But yeah, a very small team, if anything.
1: Yeah, I, I remember playing also Battle Chess, too. It had a Tandy mode with 16 colors and slightly clearer sound. hmm This is 1990. Yeah.
2: Don't forget Railroad Tycoon. That's right. another good one.
1: And I think one-on-one... Oh, no. ha- I think didn't one-on-one have a Tandy 1000 mode with better colors and three-voice music? <laughs> Ooh, look at this one. That's a beefier a the machine there, huh?
0: Yeah, this one is a... Uh... GL2. TL, yeah. Oh, TL? No, no two. I don't know. Uh, Let's see. How many friggin' machines do you have, Ron? (laughs) Uh, Well, I have uh, two other HXs that you didn't see.
8: Wow. I seriously believe Ron has enough. If he dumped them on the market, it would depress prices everywhere.
9: This one Ron, has. Ron 20, just might as well open up a Radio Shack at this point.
0: Yeah, this has a 20 megabyte hard drive, but it's broke and it isn't doing anything. Oh,
1: who needs uh, more? Say, say, uh, to, say
2: it to David, he'll fix it.
1: Yeah, who needs more than 20 megabytes, anyways? <laughs> Ed Serbinski's got to go. Thanks for being here, Ed. Happy St. Patrick's Day to
0: you. What game is this you're loading up here, Ron? Uh, it's called. Uh, hang on, I forgot. <laughs> it's GB when I typed it in buona. No. (laughs)
1: Looks I see spaceships on the side here. Yeah. Nice. That's PC sound at its finest. That's not tandy sound there. Galactic battle. Galactic
0: battle. Keep those shields charged. Let's see, uh, how do you start it? Hit enter. Oh I was gonna say you're playing almost as good as I play, so. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that
5: well, huh? <laughs> I think it's yeah, on Steve, demo.
9: Steve plays almost as good as the demo does. <laughs> anyway, and that's being nice.
5: Oh, wait a minute. Copyright
1: 1989 Soft Disk Inc.
4: Soft Disk. Soft Disk is one no, of those. That's an Apple I... company too, isn't it?
6: Uh, yeah, I believe
8: so. Yeah. yeah.
4: Originally known as Soft Tape. Yep. No. Okay. Yeah. I hear
1: Prince of Persia in the background. Yeah, quite the Tandy collection there, Ronnie.
0: Yep. Yeah, this is kind of fun. Uh, a little slow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah. That was um, this was the machine I did my Cosmic Aliens game on. Too. It was like a Tandy One Thousand. Eighty-eighty-eight, four 4.77
8: megahertz. I bet you could overclock that with a bigger crystal. That's <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be too Stevie, boring. Stevie, did it have a level two <laughs> on it?
1: What does that mean? <laughs>
2: oh, he's saying that you couldn't get past level one. Five
1: oh, <laughs> I see. Uh, I got you. I thought you were on the, on the machine itself, like a hardware question.
0: Okay. So, so Ron, out of,
2: out of all your computers, which one's your favorite one? Other oh, than the Cocoa.
0: The cocoa
2: please, Coco no, no, I, except for the I, cocos. What's your favorite Tandy oh, One Thousand?
0: Cocos. Gosh, I love them all. I, I, I can't orphan any of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I believe a trip to Arizona I is like in them. order. We need to. we, need yeah, to, we yeah. have a
0: go fest out here.
1: We will. R- yeah. Ron's fest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring my U haul. good stuff guys closing the garage door are you opening oh oh, there you go he's opening it look at that view huh
9: that's where we set up our campers
1: yeah right Arizona in springtime that's a beautiful (laughs) sky out there Ronnie look at those palm trees
11: we're gonna go back in time and take over candy
1: yeah right that is (laughs)
0: beautiful yeah it's a nice place yeah okay can I come over to Ron's garage <laughs> Tim Franklin says oh,
1: outside in 16 colors
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: so where do you park your car at in the garage <laughs> I have one bay right where the stuff is it gets all put away over there alright well that's
1: cool thank you Ron thanks for doing that yep Guys. We um hey Nick, was there anything you wanted to talk about this week? You've been kinda of quiet so far. Uh No, nothing. Nothing this week. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I'm going to show you guys some footage from the Retro Club meeting I was at last week. It's still in the process of being edited, so you th- we'll show some of it, and this will be kind of a teaser, because when I'm done, I'll put it on YouTube. But as we're watching this, tell me when you've seen enough for now. Uh, we don't have to watch the whole thing. It's, there's about... 25 30 minutes worth of stuff maybe we'll watch maybe 10 minutes worth of it I'll at least get through the introduction so you can see who was at the club and what systems they show I would like to show two table exhibits that won't take that long either a nice Apple II and uh, Amiga 500 display and then um, um, Mark uh, excuse me Michael Brandt's um, display as well so we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be back folks
13: Greetings YouTubers Atari Leaf here and you're listening to Coco Talk.
1: Come here. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Cocoa Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at Cocoa Talk Dot live and clicking on the Patreon link. But, just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show.
7: At GSoft, we make games for
5: the TRS-80 Color Computer, TRS-80 MC-10, and Dragon
3: Computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres, from arcade to text adventures to simulations to 3D dungeon crawls.
13: This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on, drop by our website and download our latest games.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. This is this is for you, Richard Lorbieski. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. All right, people. Gameplay
8: goodness. Thank you so much. I lost you know, my will to get it good now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Are you ready for this? You know we gameplay goodness. You need a shopping sometime <laughs> by having a country version. <laughs> Are you ready for this? You know gameplay goodness. Just for
1: you, Richard. A yeah. you know, little music you to know, steal game designs, game to. designs too.
8: This is how we're <laughs> Gameplay goodness. Alright. You know gameplay goodness. Thank you, Myro.
9: Devil simulation of
6: Richard
1: dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's great. A little bit of Zax on there. Zax on, Zach's off. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruce is uh, rocking it. <laughs> Bruce is rocking on his looks like a bass guitar there. and no, Is that is that a bass? Yeah.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
7: Oh, is it over? Sorry.
9: (laughs) All
1: right. So I have not had a chance to finish the editing of this video. So this is kind of an edit in progress here. But this is going to be the um, highlights of last weekend's event, which I was live at the... um, um, live at the Florida Retro uh, Computer Clubs meeting in Central Florida and there was about a dozen or so people there and about a half dozen different displays. And we got to, to hear from a few people telling their little stories, who they are, what systems they had in the day, things like that. And so we'll start off with our very own member of our Coco community, Michael Brandt, aka Qui-Gon Jin. So let's hear some introductions and then you guys again tell me when you've heard enough of this, because I don't want to give away all of this because you know millions of people are gonna want to see the entire video at some point in time, so um, here we go.
13: I'm Mike, and uh, I'm from Leesburg, about an hour away, and uh, I've been in the retro copy for about a couple of years now. About, I guess, three years collecting, and uh, just found this group uh, recently, so first time here. What uh,
1: systems did you use back in the day?
13: Coco 2, 64K with one disk drive, and a DMP-110 printer.
1: Okay. And what systems do you have in your collection now?
13: Way too many to count.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
13: but mainly Cocoa stuff.
1: What is your favorite system?
13: <laughs> Still the Cocoa 2 with 64K. And what is your
1: dream system that you don't already have?
13: Uh, dream system. That's an interesting question there. We we'll kind of neat to have some of those Brazilian
6: clothes.
1: All right, so I can also pause this at any time. So if you guys have questions about this as we're doing it, let me know, and I'll just just, just shout it out, and I can pause too. Um, so that was Michael talking about his stuff, and we'll do we'll take a look at his table. So far, so good. Yep. Anybody falling asleep on me? or Are we okay?
3: Nope. What, what are we doing?
1: <laughs> hey, what's <laughs> the topic right, I, today? I taking a
11: nap.
1: Yeah. What's the topic today? Uh, <laughs> all right, so we're going on to our next little uh, showing to our person, anyways. Introduction here. Michael Brandt. Thank you. No All right, uh, FBI, if you've been looking for him, he's here.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hi, John Robbs. Uh, I've been uh, playing with the Cocos since, uh, I believe, 82. And uh, I uh, still ha- still have uh, some of the, uh, the original one that I uh, had uh, in high school. And I just, about three years ago, started... Uh, Collecting again, and uh, found out about the uh, Cocoa Fest in Chicago every year, and started going to that, and uh, watching uh, Steve's uh, presentations every week. And uh, he mentioned that he was coming up to my neighborhood. I'm right across the street here, so um, looking forward to getting to know uh, some of you guys better. Uh, I, I brought a uh, Cocoa 3 with me today.
1: Cool. And what else do you own now, besides Cocos?
3: Uh, I I actually have, uh, in in addition to the the Coco 3, I've got a couple other 3s, 2s. I just got a very dirty 1 that I need to clean up. Okay. Um, And a retro. I'd like to get uh, one of Roger Taylor's...
1: Cocoa on a chip. Oh, FPGA. Oh, the okay. that's Oh, Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, I Get those confused. Yep. Yeah. Coco on a chip.
3: Cool. But uh, I, I had friends that were into the Apple and Atari and uh, Commodores, but that was never my thing. I was a Radio Shack
1: guy. What uh, if if you if you could have any dream system, what would that be?
3: Uh, retro related. Yeah.
1: Or I don't uh, know. I guess
3: the the Roger Taylor. Uh, okay. On a chip.
1: Cool. Thank you, John. <laughs> i thought that that's, that was his in, that, what the hell's going on ron yeah
6: yeah
1: where's where's that blah 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 sound come from something sounds like charlie brown's teacher just joined the call um yeah i oh, thought that was interesting no. that his dream system was the uh cyclone you know the deck zero system or whatever the cocoa on a chip that's kind of cool um the one that we'll see and coming up is the Mist system. Have you guys heard of this Mist?
2: No, I haven't. I, I've heard of it.
1: So the Mist is um, like a hardware emulator that's designed to m- emulate certain retro systems, and you just you you install a core for it on a micro SD card, and then it becomes that system. Um, and so the guy had one configured as an Amiga. 1200 or something like that. But you can get them misconfigured as about any 8-bit or 16-bit retro system. So it's a kind of a a multi-purpose hardware emulator um, that's already got cores for lots of different systems built into it so similar to like what I guess they're doing for the Cocoa FPGA and things like that but this is one that's already built it's a common hardware platform and you just you know boot up to what hardware you want it to emulate which is kind of a, a more multi purpose idea I think so um so you'll see one of those things i thought it was pretty cool all right so that was john t robs and i met him for the first time last year at coco fest and he we went to the german restaurant together at uh, sunday night too and it turns out he lives in altamont springs where this event was he was literally like a a, a two blocks away from where this thing was so for him it was it was nothing for me it was a two-hour drive so um but it's cool it was cool you guys good with this you want to see a few more okay yeah we're gonna go right ahead we're we're gonna keep going
12: yeah. The host with the most. I don't know about that part, but anyhow, uh, my name's Cooper. Um, I, I guess I'm the host of the Central Florida one here. And uh, let's see, I collect apples mainly, and now Amigas, unfortunately. <laughs> see, unfortunately, pets not because I don't like them. I love them, but it's another cost factor now.
6: <laughs>
12: so uh, I brought with me an apple and an Amiga today and uh well i guess we'll show those in a bit um any you want to go with your questions
1: uh so you right right now what you what you were originally an apple guy that's what you started with correct okay and now you own apples and amigas correct and what's your dream system that you don't have now oh what's, what's the unicorn that you
12: No, that i own it
1: you own it okay <laughs> lucky
12: you what is that? All, any that you... one of the ones i own because they're yeah. so highly customized that they are my system
1: there yeah yeah that's cool what's your favorite system
12: um still probably the apple only because of the customization yeah which apple uh the 2e platinum
1: platinum, platinum. Mm, gotta cool platinum. gotta have
12: the, that platinum
1: now do you own any tandy products
12: only the tiny little handheld one what was ah. it, like 100 or whatever it was uh-huh. called.
1: Okay, that's which was basically a calculator. It. it was. It was a
12: more fun calculator that I could program in bases. Yeah, so that
14: was okay, thing. that's cool. So, all
1: right, who's next? We, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> all
9: right,
1: so the system that he had that I thought was pretty cool, he has an Apple IIe Platinum. And you know how the Apple's got the case where you can put the monitor on top of the case? Well, yep. he had his case where he actually had a clear cutout window in it, and you could see the, the expansion bus, and he had cards in there with, with lights and stuff like that, LED lights and stuff. There's a there's a card you can get for the Apple II where you can change the speed of the CPU up to like 16 uh, megahertz, too. Goes he to had 20 a, now. <laughs> yeah, and he had a custom LED on the front panel of his Apple where you could see what megahertz the, the CPU was running in. He had a dial uh, that was, and it, he kind of tooled and dremeled all these in, so it, it looked like they were part of the molded case. And you could see, as he turned a dial, you could see the speed of um, the CPU go up. He could turn those things on and off. So a lot of those options that that CPU speed-up board, accelerator board did, he created buttons and LEDs and dials for. Um, They're that, that kind of like seamlessly integrated to the case. He had a clear top where you could see all the LED light show going on inside the case. So, I mean, when he talks about having this, how customized this Apple IIe Platinum system was, it was, it was really, it was a beauty to behold. So um, it was really cool to see. Um, so I just thought I would I thought I would say that as we go on. And this guy here is our Apple IIgs guy.
15: My name's Scott. Hey uh, Scott. I guess it's a support group for all of us. That <laughs> group groups, I, uh, <laughs> um, I my favorite system is the Apple IIgs. I grew up with. That was the first system I had.
6: Nice. And
15: uh, got into recollecting it. Unfortunately, it was sold in a garage sale. Uh, but my parents. Uh, about 15 years ago, and I've always regretted it ever since. Um, I don't know, got back into it about a year and a half, two years ago, picked up uh, more 2GS systems than I care to admit or want to admit on on that, but uh, still my favorite system. of interested in the other uh, systems i've been very closed uh, uh, minded on purpose not to try to get another addiction to yeah uh, yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah but uh, in the apple world i've got uh, you know two apple 2es a couple two c's um and of course you know more 2gs I'm okay uh, say on video and you like it yeah love it. yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I, I didn't even bring the system today but yeah. I, knew I was going to pick one up that yeah. i purchased from a member of the group so um Taking another one home and right, so, collection.
1: <laughs> for somebody like me, I don't own anything Apple. Yeah. I have limited space. Yep. If yep. I was gonna get one Apple product.
15: I you know, and this is the perfect lead into that because that's why the two GS to me is one of my favorite systems. It's sixteen bit. Okay. But it, it's pretty much backwards compatible with all okay. Apple II okay. you know systems uh software. And, of course, you still have the expandability of all the slots and everything, right. and all the fun things you can do to it. Um, if you're familiar with the CFFA 3000 card, uh, it actually runs the best in an Apple 2GS just because of the, the menu options and the things you can do with it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty much a 2GS home.
1: How um, how <laughs> can you still get these? Are these fairly common, fairly obtainable? You know
15: what's funny is I'm glad I decided to finally pull the trigger when I did. Okay. Because in the last, I'd say, two years, the prices of them have certainly starting to really skyrocket, so if if you were thinking about getting one, I probably would say to do it now. Uh, Just in the last six months, a a keyboard for 2GS, the original keyboard, has gone from about $20 to now they're selling for over $100.
1: Wow. What, what's an average eBay listing go for on a working GS system? For a
15: complete system with the monitor, you know, the problem is shipping kills you, but it's probably about $500 you know, wow. for everything. Now, okay. if you're talking about just the CPU, uh-huh. you know, you're probably picking one up. The CPU itself for about $100. You know, okay, 100, that's 100, reasonable. 150 for a good, for a that's good reasonable. system. Yeah. That's reasonable. Yeah. That's and cool. The, add-ons, you know, the additional right, memory is, right. you know, whatever you're yep, yep. going to do to it. But, uh, for just the base CPU, good working model, you know, probably about a hundred.
1: Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Thanks. And you got you're gonna be you nothing to demo today on that, though. Oh no, no, other than that, this okay. is just
15: one of the the reason I wanted this one is this is one of the first ten thousand made. Okay. And so it's actually uh, it's, it's got Waz's signature. signature silk screen on the front. And That's cool. One of the ones I wanted for my uh, little shrine of Very cool. shrine of fame. Okay.
1: So Mark Overholzer, our resident Apple II guy. Anything you want to throw in on uh, Uh, what we need to know about Apple stuff?
8: Sure. Uh, Jumping back to Cooper's, uh, yeah, he's heavily modified his Platinum IIe. It's got the CFFA 3000, which is the Cocoa SDC, basically for the Apple II. It does floppy and hard drives imaging stuff. Um, So, yeah, it's completely solid state memory. Uh, He's got the overclocked uh, chip from Bulgaria in it with the adjustable speed now up to 20 megahertz. Uh, I think it's got VGA card in there, too, if I remember. Uh, the last guy, I don't recognize his name, but uh, the 2GS, a lot more like the 6809, but still not quite as good. So, um, better graphics, of course. It's got an, insane, an Sonic sound chip in it, which is really stellar. Yeah. So, you know, any any hardware that's built in there from the beginning is, is utilized. Although most of the games for the Apple II still don't use it. So, eh, six one have to the other. Um, let's see, anything else? Yeah, he's got a CFFA 3000 also. So, hmm. anyway... Um, yeah, if you if you're really interested, in Stevie, I do have a few Apple IIe's E's and uh, that I could spare and maybe a two G S but I have to put it together. So and keep yeah. it a reasonable price for you.
1: Right. So is it safe to say that the two G S is kinda like the Cocoa three? Um, best of the Apple you can get, pretty much.
8: Yeah, there's a few things that don't work on it just because of the way it's set up. It's a completely different level. I mean, it basically is two computers. It actually has the 2GS part, and then it actually has a part that emulates the Apple 2E, Apple 2C, which is 128K. It's got, like, two different systems in it. Hmm. So, And most everything works on it. You can, you know, it's backward compatible, but it works differently. It's got an external keyboard. Uh, it uses Apple Desktop Bus for the keyboard rather than a parallel type mm-hmm. connection like the old Apple's or the Coco's use. So, but, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, it's emulated and hardware pretty good. Yeah, if you yeah. get a 2GS, you're going to be able to run the older stuff, too. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, so that might be something to look for. Because uh, yep. I, I would like to have an Apple, but I don't know that I want to go crazy overboard with Apples.
8: Yeah, so. the tricky thing is, is the RGB monitors are really hard to get. Yeah. I do have one that was given to me. Uh, mm. But they're, you know, you're better off getting, like, the VGA option and going with a newer monitor. But still, kind of cool.
1: Yeah, you know? very cool. Very, very cool. Alright, so we'll go on and we're going to hear from this next guy. This guy has a really interesting collection that he'll talk about. We, didn't, we only saw one of his computers on display, which was an Atari 800, original Atari 800. But he's actually creating a, um, a retro c- computer museum that he's working on. Hey, hello,
10: my name's Jeff Nay. I'm from Palm Coast. I'm a vintage computer collector. I have the Apple II original, the Commodore 64, pe- or Commodore PET, the original TRS-80, the Atari 800, the 400, the IBM 5150, basically I'm going to start my own museum. Okay. Literally. Uh, I'm going to be focusing on game systems because unless you're, you know, computer crazy people like the people around here, my 30-year-old nephew's not going to want to, you know, do anything with that. But if you start with game systems from, yeah. the, what is it, the Odyssey uh-huh. to Atari Pong to, you know, right. every system. Down to virtual reality, uh-huh. then you, then you, you know, everybody will be attracted to it, right? Uh, right. Of course, I'm again more into the computers. You just uh, check it out at www.theageofgaming.com.
1: Theageofgaming.com. Right. And there's
10: a video there, and you can see all the systems. On okay. It.
1: And what is your favorite?
10: Uh, what would I? What's my dream?
1: Or what's your favorite system of the systems you right have? Now right?
10: that I have the Apple
1: II's, the original Apple II's. Yeah. Okay. So. And what? What do you not? What, what would be the crown jewel of your museum?
10: That would be an Altair
1: 8800. Okay. Cool. Very cool. And so this is a physical museum people can come visit, or is it going to I be have, more?
10: I, I'm getting ready to start it in Palm Coast. I want to get it all set up, and then after a year, I can start getting grants. Okay. And I want to move it to St. Augustine, where they have a lot of tourists, a lot yeah. of you know, yeah. people coming. Okay. But the rent there is like 4000 a month for a small place. Okay. So I want to get it right first, then move it over there.
14: Right. Okay. Cool. Thank you. I'm uh, Chris Hilladay. I'm from St. Augustine, Florida, and uh, I brought a TI-99-4 beige today. You've got to clarify that the, it's the beige model. Which came first? Which, which, which came first? Was beige newer or later? The silver, the aluminum okay. style metal uh, case. Uh, so I'd have to say my dream system would be the ti 99 8, Okay. Which is pretty much unheard of. I think if will right. have some of them. Or a Geneve. Right. I'd like to have a Geneve. Um, so I brought the TI with a nano PEB hooked up and a uh, uh, final ROM and I'm working on getting a uh, final prompt.
1: Okay. And these are things I'm not familiar
14: with yet, but I want to become. When I get ready to, I'll start picking your brain on that to learn more I just about that Okay. And you? I've been sneaking into the Skype yeah. sessions with you guys, uh, asking all these questions. That you and you've got uh, like, what do you have? A Model Four too, or something like that? Yeah, I'm I'm a big TRS-80. Okay. We'll call it business computer. I guess they weren't technically all business computers, but uh-huh. uh, <laughs> Model Three, Model Four, Four P, Four D, and uh, I was this close to picking up a six thousand today model 16. Wow. His price was a little, he wasn't coming off. The, I, I used to
3: have one of those. I, I wish I'd kept it.
14: I was this close, and he wasn't coming off $1,500. Hours, so. Do you
1: listen to the Trash Talkers podcast? I don't. Okay, they got a podcast. Peter Satinsky and uh, Ian Maverick and Peter Bartlett, they've got a podcast.
14: Do you guys have any Trash Talkers? I, I've, seen, I've seen one. I haven't seen it live, but I've seen
1: a... Well, it's, it's just a podcast. You just listen to it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think they did a couple of live streams, too, yeah.
14: I just picked up one of the uh, Mies devices from Peter Park, and uh, it's fantastic so far. I've got a lot to explore, great device. And what would be your dream system? TI-99. 99 A. Right. I was, when I was a kid, I wanted a Atari 2600. Mom couldn't afford one, so she went with a TI-99 on sale, and that was the beginning of my computer history, Stuff. So, cool. You know, you always tend to gravitate back to what you had. Yeah, Your first love. It's the TI-99-4, yeah. although it's stubborn to do anything with. Yeah. Cool. That. Thank you. All right. Thank you.
10: Well, hi. I'm Tom Burnell. I live in Kissimmee,
13: uh, so just want to throw away. I'm a Commodore guy. Commodore. <laughs> yes, sir. I I started with the Commodore 128. That's my first computer. I still have it. It's in the car. Um, unfortunately, retro by accident, I turned it marbled, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, had the Commodore 6- 128, had the 64C, had the uh, Amiga 2000. I still have all of those. Uh, There's several states of. Uh, uh, yeah. refurbishment, and I—if I were to have a dream machine, it would be a 4000T Amiga. 4000T. Yeah.
1: Okay. Very cool. All right. So that was the—that uh, was the introductions there. So the next thing we're going to do is we'll look at. There's two of them I'd like you guys to see, and you tell me if you've seen enough at this point. Um, but um, I want to show off Cooper's uh, table and then um, Michael Brant's. And then that's all I was planning on showing. That's probably enough at this point. But you guys good with this so far?
5: Yep. So
1: okay. far, so good. Everybody in the live stream still awake? We, have we lost anybody?
5: I have no clue.
1: <laughs> okay, I can't see how many people are watching this live right now because I have this thing hijacking my monitor. So As long as we didn't lose our audience, <laughs> Ken, Ken, uh Jason's brother's uh, – putting out some z's right now so he's falling asleep alexander <laughs> <laughs> so. hey we still
8: got
0: 26
1: so
8: okay
1: well, yes. we... <laughs> all right so we're going to see cooper's display but the question that um the question that Terry asked is, do we have, can we see the clear top? And I didn't, I don't think I got that on video. I did take some pictures on my phone, but I don't have those downloaded, so I can't show them off, but we will try to get some of that. But you, There's Lisa, some
8: online. I'll try to locate some.
1: Okay. So in the meantime, we're going to see Lisa's display and what that awesome Apple looks like. Okay. Alexander says, keep it coming. It's awesome. Okay. So here we go. We're
12: ready, Coop. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I brought my Apple IIe E Plus, Platinum. thing we
1: have- and, yeah, this does have a VGA adapter to it, as you were saying, Mark Overholzer.
8: Yeah, I've seen the other pictures. It's pretty loaded yeah. out. You
1: can kind of see right now underneath the monitor here, you can see the clear window. The base of his monitor is kind of covering the clear window, but you go. Oh, I, I guess I have to switch it back where you guys can see that. Yes, Sorry please. about that. There we go. All right, my bad. I was seeing it. You guys weren't seeing it. Okay. So, yeah, like right around here, you, this is the clear window. This is the LED that shows you the speed right here. Of what the CPU is running at, and there was a couple of buttons here that I'm not sure if they're toggle switches. And there's there like a therefore the
8: CFFA 3000. If yeah. you Switch the floppy drives. You basically can have uh, you know, like a multi-disc game. You can push the button to cycle to the next disc.
1: Gotcha. Kind of like what we do in our Coco SDC. Huh? Yep. Exactly. And and then I think he's got a toggle switch that either kills the overdrive on. You know, so he can like turn off the overdrive with one click. And then he's yeah. got a dial where he can actually dial the speed of the CPU on it too. Um, and then a little LED has got I think three digits on there that shows you how many megahertz the CPU is running at so it's really highly highly customizable very cool setup
12: um, this particular one is, in my view, highly modified. You asked me about my dream machine. This would be close to one of them. Um, basically, I completely modded it uh, with a clear top, the accelerator controls on the front, the CFFA controls are on the front, some readouts for the power supply and so forth inside. Um, so you'll see it the it's running a you get a little peak there. at its normal rate, and if we go to max rate, you get... Wow, look how fast <laughs> is going. <laughs> so so that that's 16 uh, mega, megahertz. Wow. 16 like, you know, megahertz. And then back to the normal wow. one. You know. So. Wow and then the disc controller that's in this will control both the three and a half and five and a quarters. Okay. Um, the next up is the Amiga well this is a mist this is an FPGA emulator it's not the real hardware but it emulates a Amiga 1200 perfectly right down to saving disc formatting disc the whole nine yards the beauty is it's this tiny box is the whole thing wireless mouse and keyboard but you can use a real joystick or a real mouse uh, it has MIDI ports on the side if you want to use the MIDI functions, and uh, I just have a set of cheap little speakers connected. Uh, VGA output, which is also nice, because you don't have to do with any conversions. Right. Um Last one I brought is my Amiga 600. Um, basically, it's a stock to look at, but it does have an accelerator board booting from a compact flash, max memory of 128 megabytes. That's right. Wow. 128 megabytes. Even on an Amiga, huh? Yeah, on an Amiga, yeah. Wow. Which is max for that one. And, uh, wow, that is This is a UK model. Uh, it is technically PAL, but being that you're outputting to VGA through an Indivision scan doubler, it doesn't really matter that it's okay. the PAL. So that's what uh, I brought today. That's cool. All right. All right, Mike, you're up. Uh, cloud 10, do you
1: want to show off your collection here?
13: <laughs> well, I brought my uh, Coco 2. Um, which has the VGA um, modification that was Brendan Donaghy and Ed Snyder's uh, contraption that they uh, recently released at Tandy Assembly. So it gives a nice clear picture on your uh, cocoa here. This is showing Farfall to kind of give you an idea of what it what it looks like clear and whatnot. So I brought my multi-pack with me and Dragon MMC to kind of show people what this can do with loading CAS files and it's a great, great uh, add-on for your Cocoa 2, Cocoa 1, or your Dragon. Um, and uh, next to this over here I have displaying on the screen the Cocoa 3 FPGA. Um, just got to show people what that can do as well. And then also on this screen I had sharing it was the Yamaha CX-7M. Um, and what's cool, about the CX-7M and the CX-5M is if you see here it has stereo audio out midi in and out and it has a proprietary keyboard connector that allows you to connect a a musical keyboard such as this to the computer, because these are called music computers. They have lots of accessories for them that are sound related, like this one here, by Technobytes out of Brazil. Um, it's a uh, music uh, FM sound card. A lot of stuff that works with these. They have an ethernet card that you can get from Technobytes as well. This is um, all
1: new new technology, right? This is,
13: yeah, the, the, the Technobytes stuff is new technology here. Okay. Um, they have high density floppy controllers as well uh, to allow you to do that kind of stuff. Some of the more retro hardware is a MIDI controller called MIDI These were popular in South America and, and uh Japan. Um Yamaha made lots of cartridges for them. MIDI recorders, FM voicing programs. They were heavy into the music realm, these computers. So people used it for tracking. Um, tracking uh, music, stuff like that, and music production. So they're, they're kind of an interesting machine. And then it's booting off of a Mega Flash ROM SCC Plus SD card. So it's a kind of like the Coco SCC for the Coco people, but it actually has sound on board.
1: Okay. Which of ours doesn't have. That is correct. But <laughs> well, we've, well, we've talked about it. Yeah, well, we'll leave it at that. That's a shout out to <laughs> Nick Moran. I guess I should show off my, my setup, huh? You want all right, so there we go. Uh, there we have it, folks. That was that. Um, and we'll, we'll leave it at that because I've got more editing to do. <laughs> Ken says, I could never type on those black and white keyboards. <laughs> uh, that's good. You know, Ken always with the, with the, with the uh, wit there. Yeah, so Ken says, sound on the SDC? What an idea. Yeah. So what that system he was showing off was, was an MSX system, which is something that's an interest of mine. I actually have one I got from Michael Brandt from last year, and we actually swapped systems. He, he had given me the Yamaha one that he wanted back because he's he, he likes the music stuff, so he gave me a different MSX system. Um, and they do have a pretty cool ROM card. I, like for me, if I'm going to buy any type of system, a computer or an old game console, I want to make sure I can get a multi-cart for it where I can just plug in one cartridge and, and add images to it because it's just impossible to try to collect all the software you know it's just too expensive it's not always out there and at this point that money is not going to the copyright owners anyway, so I don't feel that guilty, um, not paying somebody on eBay for, for old software, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, there was a few more systems to show off, so I showed off my Coco 3. Um, John T. Rob showed off his Coco 3. Then there was an Atari 800 and a TI 99 a So I will um, finish editing that video and I'll post the whole thing on my OG Stevie Stro YouTube channel. Um, oh, Alan Huffman just joined us, says the MSX is basic is what I'm using for reference for SIR sound, right? So the MSX was also using Microsoft basic, the MS is Microsoft, so uh, MSX was a pretty cool 8-bit system. I think was very popular in Japan. Japan. Um, designed in Japan. Designed in Japan. I think that's where Thexter came from. I think the original Thexter game actually debuted on the MSX. Thexter and its uh, follow-up game, whatever that was, I forgot. Um, but it, a, Z, a Z80 based system uh, built-in sound chip, uh, better colors, hardware scrolling, sprites. So it was, you know, it had things that a normal PC didn't have. There are some similarities between the MSX hardware and the ColecoVision. And there's an actual, there's a kind of like a super game module you can plug into the ColecoVision that makes it completely backwards compatible with the msx because it just adds the missing sound and extra ram to make it run msx games and stuff um and a lot of cool games for the msx and and i have one i can't wait to play with it at some point in time um so yeah it, it was a neat system
8: ken wanted to know how fast did the omaha go
1: how fast? Do the, uh, depends on how many CCs. There were different models there. So <laughs> uh,
8: I posted a link to Cooper's uh, stuff on Atari Age, so it's back in the chat. On okay,
1: YouTube. so I'll try to open that up, and uh, we'll pull we'll pull that up on full screen. So okay, so here's Cooper's listing on Atari Age, and here's some images. So here's his Apple power supply. Sorry, First, you, you have to be
8: logged in. So uh, scroll scroll down and see if it'll come up. It's in line. Oh, there, oh, there we, we go. go. here's Okay, one.
1: so this, this is the back of the Apple. Here's where he's got Ethernet and VGA. Yep.
8: yep. Um. Yeah, I guess there's other photos up at the top. You have to be logged in, unfortunately, to see okay. them.
1: Okay. I don't know that I have an account there just yet. So. Right. Um. Okay. Well, well, we'll we'll hopefully we'll have more time to to do that in the future and um, yeah so um, what I thought was kind of interesting was you know this Florida Retro Club that I've recently become a member of there I went to the South Florida meeting which was about an hour and a half south of me uh, and there was about a dozen people there at a variety of systems then I went to the Central Florida meeting it's about two hours north of me so I'm technically in the middle and there was about a dozen people there so that's already about two dozen people in Florida with a variety of retro systems and experiences and interest um, a lot of them are are open to doing some retro talk shows with us so we can hear these people talk about their systems. And we've got some good subject matter experts in this group on a lot of different um, stuff. So it'd be great to have them on a retro talk talking about some of their systems. We have that guy, Javier, who does the retro retrobriting and all the custom um, screen panels and things like that. So I'm looking forward to getting more of these guys together, not only in person, but on Skype for more more talks and stuff. So, uh, And it's also given me the idea of doing some type of Florida event. Um, you know, We've been talking about that. And as I test the waters and, and get to know more people and, and figure things out, I, I would like to see maybe in a year or so that we could have a little mini Florida retro fest and maybe get some people to come Come see us and hang out for at least a day or possibly a weekend. You know. Well,
9: that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a, like it's like a fun meeting there. Actually, it's uh, nice to see a, a nice mix of people actually getting along with different systems, unlike the old days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that sucked about it for me was I was still, like, really sick that weekend. My head cold was horrible, and, and I couldn't hang out because John Robbs wanted to hang out and, like, do a dinner or something like that after the event. And I just I couldn't hang, so I, I had to get home. I still had that two-hour drive. Um, but it would have been nice to spend a little bit more time and hang out and socialize and stuff like that. But they're close enough. You know, a two-hour drive is a hell of a lot closer to me than Chicago is <laughs> or Ohio. <laughs> How often do they matter. hold meetings? Right now there's been two in two months, so it's hard to say.
9: Oh, they're not scheduled? They're just uh, whenever they decide to?
1: mm, So far, it's been happening on about a monthly or bi-monthly basis. So as I know more, uh, I'll let you guys know more. But a few of them now have also joined the Coco group because when I demoed the Coco 3 back in February, uh, a couple of them got interested in the Coco 3s. And so David... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Laftanous, I think. Um, he's got a Coco three now, and he ordered uh, Popstar Pilot and uh, things like that. And he's got a Coco SDC. So, you know, it's kind of cool. They saw my demo and got got a few turned, converted a few people into Cocoa nuts. You know, so that was kind of cool.
4: Yeah, these uh, retro. Uh, groups are just popping up over the nation. There's a couple now in Southern California that are—they're actually putting on an actual convention with uh, hundreds of people showing up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to get to that point. I—I th- I think. I mean, between Coco Fest and Tandy Assembly, we've seen near 100. 100- numbers of attendees and and those are somewhat focused groups i think if we could have a like you know like a vcf type VF, thing yeah and, i was just going to mention um, VCF. something like that um, for me conveniently located in florida uh, <laughs> you know and you get some people to come out for a day or a weekend it might be kind of cool um and you know spread the word and i think i think it's one of these things where if you got some commercials on the radio too and people and regular people heard about it hey come out and see retro game systems and vintage computer systems i think the average person might find this a, a, a cool novelty to want to come and see and you never know you might get some people saying oh i remember that system man now i got to start ebay shopping you know and you might get <laughs> some more uh you know but some more bad influence on the. <laughs> yeah,
6: feed, feed the addiction. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's um, called being an enabler. An, an enabler. enabler. Yes. And an an yeah, I'll get it eventually. La, 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 la.
6: Let's
8: let's just face it. We don't want to feel so weird. So we're going to try to recruit people to our side of thinking.
1: Right. So uh, we're going to look at the Cocoa Fest website here in just a second. But here's another. We're we're almost at 5,500 downloads on the podcast alone. So that's kind of cool, I think. I don't remember what we've gotten view-wise. Let's take a look at that real quick. Um, What do we have on our most recent episode of Views? So last week's or two weeks ago, we got 160 views on Serial Talk. We got 164 views on Temple of Rom Talk. The Brazilian Clones got 225 views. That was a pretty good show there. Um, So, yeah, I'm glad that people are watching the uh, replays of our episodes. I'm glad that people are listening to the podcast. I think that's great. And so what I want to do real quick is I want to pull up the Glenside website. And let's see what, what developments we have here for uh, Cocoa Fest happenings and goings-on, right? Because Cocoa Fest is why we started Cocoa Talk. The website is glensideccc.com. And when we click on Cocoa Fest, when we look at attending right now, this list is growing. It's It's a pretty long list here. I'm not gonna try to count all these people here. Sandy Weimer, Randy Weaver III, Richard Tucker, Shirley Strong, Kerry, Tyler, Shug. There's names here I don't recognize. So we got Reitveld, Henry and Kirk Reitveld. Ken, Jason and Ken, the Coco um, brothers. Tony, Linda, Frank Patel. I mean, the, the, there is a lot. There's, this is a long list of confirmed attendees already. Pretty nice. Some of our events not, have not necessarily changed yet. So we have the opening of the show, a booth tour, lightning talks. Jim O'Keefe is one of our first speakers, programming simulations in 4th. We got lunch. We got John Strong, uh, Steve Bjork at 2 p.m. And, Steve, you are now uh, confirmed that you will attend because there was a time where you weren't sure, right? We'll take that as a yes, right? Awards ceremony. Yep. Awards ceremony. Uh, on-site dinner. Trivia contest. Hangout time. Musical jam is our Saturday. Um, Jamie Cho. Okay. That's great. So that spot has been filled. I don't know if you guys have been following um, Jamie Cho. He's Every now and then he shows up with a new uh, stuff in Facebook where he's done some card games and a few things like that. He does a lot of stuff in CMOC. He is mentioned, he's been mentioned on the uh, Coco Crew podcast many times because he kind of just shows up and throws us with some wow factor for a little while and then we don't hear from him for a little while. So Jamie, Jamie Cho will be there. Never met uh, Jamie. I'm assuming it's a guy. Um, and then that'll be kind of cool. Coco Crew podcast live and then a sunday auction so that's what's going on there don't forget to touch the heron and then as far as our exhibitor lineup so far so we have podcast and media so the coco talk this is going to be interesting right so last year coco talk wasn't jason we can't hear you if you're talking I don't know if you're talking or not. Okay. So last year, Cocoa Talk was barely a thing, right? Cocoa Talk was a random, spontaneous thing we did for a couple of weeks leading up to Cocoa Fest. It is a now, Yeah, right? But a year later now, and, and a lot of us who meet every week on Skype, we're going to be together in the same place for a weekend so it'll be really cool to get the coco talk crew together in person we got to do some like photo shoots and you know let's take some group photos and let's you know so we'll do some impromptu um coco talking uh sometime we're not scheduled to talk during this stuff but we're there for a weekend so that's good i'm really looking forward to us all being together especially david ladd um so that's going to be cool um not not necessarily yeah, I'm not necessarily looking forward to seeing what kind of sh- crap that Voice & Technologies is going to bring in, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Brian Shu being the music man. If you want real hardware, Cloud9 for the win. Uh, <laughs> uh, Coco VGA, Brendan Donahue is going to be here. Uh, Color Computer Store, I believe that's Carlos Camacho. Bruce Moore will be here. Fusix with Brett Gordon and off, Chris Hawks, John Mark Mobley, John W. Linville, our good friend William Astle who has uh, not only brought us the reverse engineering of Dungeons of Dagrith, but has also given Rick Adams back Temple of ROM. So um, some guy named Mark D. Overholzer will be there. Uh, Mike Rowan, Myro, Neil Blanchard, uh, Nitrous 9, Ease of Use. Anybody heard of this project, the Ease of Use project?
9: Actually, I would like to make a plug for Ron Delvaux. who designed our banner. Grant's ordering it, and uh, it looks pretty good. Yay. Hey, cool. <laughs> All right, Retro Innovations, Richard Chrislip, Henry Reitveld,
1: and Reitveld, Reitveld, the, uh... now, he did this before, he did this at Tandy Assembly, so what Henry Reitveld basically did was had a high score contest, whoever won the contest, he gave away the cocoa to. That's pretty awesome, if you ask me, and he's doing the same thing, he's going to give away a cocoa, a game, and a joystick to a person with the highest score, which probably means it won't be me, um, <laughs> Alan Huffman of SubEtha Software will be there as well. So that's what Cocoa Fest is looking like so far. Um, uh, so Ken is asking, have they told you how to buy dinner? They never responded to my email. Yeah, basically the same guy. If you emailed or paypal for your... Um, Whoever you PayPal to, which I think is Brian Goers, that's the same guy you can PayPal twenty dollars to for for the on-site dinner. But yeah, um, uh, if they haven't responded to your email, shame on them. All right, so
3: I've taken care of it for him. So
1: okay, so uh, Ken, uh, little brother. Uh, Jason says he's got Big Brother taken care of there. So uh, you're welcome.
3: <laughs> I've, I've already made the arrangements.
1: Already made the arrangements. It's taken care of. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, and Ken has been doing assembly programming. Ken, you know, just taking the world by storm. That Ken. So, he's um,
5: going
3: to have some real hardware here very soon. Oh. In
8: about the next week or so.
1: That's cool. All right, and well,
6: little
8: brother has him covered again.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, well, I think we've done two hours here. What do we got here? Nitrous Nine Ease of Use Project. Here we go, Ron Delvo. Look at that. Yep. that's, what is
0: it. I that's it.
1: For it. Okay, so you're gonna have that printed up as a banner at your table, huh? Yep.
0: Nice. Thank you, Ron Delvo. Yeah, you see, it's uh, world national based now. Yeah. Not yeah. just the American flag and the little make uh, leaf thing. Yeah, yeah. That's an international <laughs> project young. now.
9: There's there's people from all over, in like Europe and Australia and stuff, all contributing to it. So
1: yeah. Uh, Jim Brain just chimes in. He says, "Is the show mercifully over yet?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it's we're- mercilessly still running. Yes, we will we will do a mercy kill here in just a minute here. Um, so we're gonna euthanize this, is the, this thing. the uh, director's cut. <laughs> 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 now, but it's been a good show. Um, we didn't cover any news, and that's okay the you know, next week it'll. We can always cover news next week. Um, uh, before we before we start to play us out, anybody, did we miss anything? Anything you guys think we should talk about, or anything you guys want to talk about before we start the four hour closing ceremony?
0: <laughs> well, um, someone did come up with a uh, idea to um, make decimate work in uh, OS nine, or you know, Nitrous nine, um, and have the correct date, which ah. is awesome.
1: Yeah, 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 and so right now, I believe you showed that off in um, on the uh, Roger Taylor Coco right now, right? So if you boot up to the Coco on a chip, you can get Deskmate to recognize a four-digit date, which currently the um, the normal Coco version does not do right now, right? Right. Isn't that cool,
0: right there? How um, that is cool. Model three, model one Coco.
1: Yeah. The lines, yeah, that's a All great angle. Same. Yeah, that's a great angle. It's a little bit blurry on on the um, sky, yeah, screen I share, know. but yeah, no, that's cool. <clears throat> that is cool.
9: Brothers of uh, a different mother,
1: I guess I'd call. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jim Gary says that we should talk about the MC10 before we close out. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
9: in tribute to Steve.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: I, I think I'll we probably go to the probably, dollar store later and get some MC tens.
1: Yeah, I think what I'll do is I'll I'll just make a brief announcement about uh, a, a miscommunication that happened uh, on episode forty nine, and I'm not going to rehash all the details, other than just to say this. So we we had a discussion on sound hardware, and um, a a statement uh, was made about. Uh, John Linville's method of distributing his Game Master cartridge that wasn't necessarily um, an accurate statement, but it's so we'll just say this since we weren't sure and no misinformation or malintent was intended by this, we just mentioned something that we made an assumption on. Uh, if anybody's interested in, in how to use the Game Master cartridge or how to obtain it or how to... Um, develop for it or distribute it, the best thing is, is just contact John Linville directly as he mentioned that, you know, just reach out to me and, um, he, he will be more than willing to accommodate people based on what they want to do and how they want to do it. And so rather than us making a statement on his behalf, it's probably best that you get it from the source. And there you have that. Uh, what else? Are we good? Yeah. Okay, so then I'm gonna yep. go around the room and ask everybody for parting thoughts and plugs and then we're gonna play us out. So Mark Overholzer.
8: Well, I'm looking forward to Coco Fest. It's down to about a month now, getting really close, a month and a couple days. And uh, I think I got everything in place and I'm hoping to have something to demo while I'm there. And, Excellent. Uh, i'm so glad to see this show is still going after all after a whole year we're still all showing up yeah and it's been really fun i enjoy being here and thank you guys
1: and we yeah, still have 25 the, people watching us right now too so
9: yeah, yeah like no. jim brain who doesn't really like the show all that much but so. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> nick morentes uh, yeah, I haven't said much. I've been busy um, working on my color computer, actually, while the show's been on. But uh, nothing really to report on. So goodbye, all. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Yeah. yeah. See you next week. Curtis Boyle. Oh, we've been busy. i have been
9: working uh, with uh, Brendan and David on the um Cocoa VGA stuff and we were still working on the Cocoa HR Cocoa 42 for level one for the Dragon and, and the Coco's that don't have a Cocoa VGA if they want a high res display I've been working on basically on a run B I've been working on the ease of use project um, and every once in a while I take up sleep as a hobby <laughs>
6: yeah.
9: occasional part time sleeping <laughs> but looking forward to the fest I actually finally booked my hotel room I had to wait to confirm a business meeting which is on Monday after the fest in Cincinnati so um, I'm booked and ready to go, so
7: it should be a fun time. Excellent. Bruce Moore. Yeah, Coco Forever. I'm happy to say I've got two more voice actors. I don't know how many I've got now, but i got two more people who are uh, about to uh, contribute to the project, and uh, we're having a really good time. And I know not everybody has all the pieces in place, but you can get some idea uh, about how fun this is going to be and how fun it is and uh, yeah I'll be demoing some of it at Co- uh, at Coco Fest Excellent
1: and Terry Steen thanks for joining us for the first time and we, we want to do a formal um, whole production with you to get more in detail on your projects and the games you've made and what you've done outside of yes. Coco. so we'll, we'll schedule that but today wasn't the day to do that but we're certainly glad you were here so thanks for being here well, I
11: appreciate it yeah um, I'll tell you, you you guys will get more and more listeners as time goes by because Like I just got caught in and now I'm sitting here going like, yeah, I'm going to set up a Coco station in the garage and start programming and sitting here thinking, well, what hardware projects do I want? uh, You know, so I know that there's others out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if you're looking for an idea on, on hardware, uh, we really don't have any, that many sound offerings, so maybe look at that for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it
11: didn't, the couple came with a full soundboard installed, didn't it?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> and somebody just snuck in like a ninja. Alan Huffman, what's going on, dude?
14: Ah, sorry I missed the show. I, was,
7: uh, I mistimed it. I thought you guys would be done by now. <laughs> yeah no well, uh,
1: jim brain's been pl- praying on us to this is jim brain's favorite part of the show and we wrap things up so
9: <laughs> that's why we keep making the ending longer and longer just to yeah take them off. yeah
1: yeah so you're you are confirmed for coco fest correct alan that is correct definitely looking forward to that um for shizzle uh anything you want to update us on any um plugs parting thoughts or anything like that
7: yeah, I got a manager at a nearby Dollar General that's now ordering uh, a bunch of cases of Jolt Cola for me, so I'll have some to bring to the fest. <laughs> oh, good. I'll buy some
9: off you there. You what got a supplier. A
7: yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Rondeau yeah. with your green <laughs> keyboard there. Looking quite nuclear. Yeah, that's my Cocoa Pie. That is neat. Look at that. You've got a
0: green keyboard in it. A... Look at that. Yeah. It's like. It's a um, Bluetooth. Okay. Three ninety nine at uh, Goodwill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens to be cocoa green, and so you had yeah, that. You're almost as on...
9: cheap as Tandy was back in the day. Yeah.
1: So did you put your yeah. cocoa pie inside that empty cocoa shell there?
0: Yes, I
1: did. So you have the keyboard sitting on top. The yep. cocoa's there. I now to you're put running. I a fan ease... in there.
0: Easy view. Because of it use. gets warm. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a fan, but it's too big, so I got to get a small fan.
1: Yeah, that is pretty cool. A cocoa pie yep. inside a cocoa shell. Yep. yep what do they think of next uh <laughs> coco man jason parting thoughts words of wisdom
3: oh words of wisdom parting thoughts i uh, you've come to the wrong place for those <laughs> <words of wisdom. laughs> um you know? well as always coco org, and uh i should have some uh some uh rgb scart cables uh project uh to talk about uh, sometime yeah. in the near future,
1: a, a more well-produced product, better better than that Boyce and Tech crap, right? So
11: just different, <laughs> just a just a different
6: feature.
1: Just trying to stir it up. You know how we are. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, no comment. We're going to stir the pot because we haven't pissed anybody off this week yet. So <laughs> uh, the show's still not
4: done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Steve Bjork. Well, as always, I try to get on to Discord, and we do our vocal chats and like that, but uh, somebody on Discord asked me a question, or asked the group a question about making random numbers, and that prompted me to do something I hadn't done in probably decades, actually write some 6809 code. Huh? I'm going to have to do a lot more. I really enjoy it. What did you do? Wrote a random number generator, like I said. Yeah, but
8: in sixty-eight oh nine.
1: Mm-hmm. I just put the uh, Discord uh, chat uh, link in the in the live YouTube chat. That's Good. cool.
8: Can very, you up for sixty-three oh nine? Can it do pseudo random numbers also? Mm-hmm. David Ladd. Sound option to that also.
1: <laughs> sound option, yeah, that's a great design, but I'm not interested in it unless you add some blinking lights and a sound chip. So,
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> David Ladd.
5: Oh, let's see here. I hope to see everyone at Coco Fest, and I hope everyone has a good weekend. I'll see you on Discord.
4: Hey now, <laughs> there you go. Sounds last like a p- warning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, p- he's in there until midnight, two a.m.
8: He he's got a list, and he's checking it twice. He's keeping Curtis
4: Boyle <laughs> hours there. so
8: Sleep yeah. is optional. Yeah,
9: we, we have competitions between the two of us. Who's going to stay up the latest that particular evening? <laughs> it goes back and forth. So. There's a lot of you hang up. No, you hang up.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, Grant Leedy, words of wisdom.
2: Well, I'm ready for Coco Fest. Been working on getting the uh, banner going for the Ease of Use project and getting the table ready um one thing i did want to mention to everybody make sure you bring your mc10s to the Cocoa fest because uh steve by york will be signing those <laughs> cool and setting idea. them on fire
8: <laughs> make sure you, <laughs> make sure you bring them
9: signing them in with his boot wasn't he
8: yeah <laughs> make sure you bring a, a non-transparent bag so after steve gets done signing them that you can put them in there so you don't offend anybody
1: yeah right 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 <laughs> And then we want to say hello and goodbye to everybody in the live chat, starting with Terry Steen and Mark Overholzer and Norlander and Richard Lorbieski and Disney Saints fan and Tim Franklin and Steve Powell and Nick Morota, Alexander Wallace, David Lafanous was here. Um... Richard Lorbieski, Eddie Serbinski was here. Tim Franklin was here. If I'm repeating your names, I'm sorry. I'm scrolling through things here. Um, David Grant was in the chat. Nick Morota, Sixy, Karen stopped by. Uh, Karen Anscombe, author of x Nick Morota and Norlander. And Steve Powell with his question about how to print on the cocoa. And Michael Brandt stopped by in the live chat. Coco Man was in the live chat. His brother Ken was in the live chat. I believe I said Tim Franklin can, can make it. Alexander Wallace from Mexico was joining us. Jim Gary stopped by the live chat and um, Tim Franklin. And I believe even Jim Brain was in the live chat too. go for a retro. So thank you all to watch us. We still have 26 viewers. So we've maintained a, a, an, an audience of about 24 to 26 viewers for two and a half hours. And to all of you. I apologize. All right. So Coco Talk, Episode 50 is in the bag. Um... We may or may not do a spontaneous Cocoa Talk After Dark tonight. It really depends on what we decide later on. It's always spontaneous. If you want to see Cocoa Talk After Dark, that will be on the Cocoa Talk Facebook group. So make sure you find us on Facebook. Links on CocoaTalk.live. Thank you for watching. And now we've got about a four to 19-minute outro that we will interrupt at least seven dozen (laughs) times along the way. So let's begin the uh, four-hour closing ceremony now. (laughs)
8: Eat your heart out Jim Brain <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for watching Coco Talk the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer for all things Coco Talk visit us on the web at CocoTalk.live We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to talk cocoatalk at CocoTalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, then visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash OG Stevie Coco would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Rick Adams, Ron Delvo, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Nick Morentis, Karen Anscomb, Simon Jonasson, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of 2017 episode. Please help support the Cocoa community by visiting some of its contributors. The Cocoa Crew Podcast at CocoCrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Cocoa Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Cloud9 Technologies at cloud, the number nine, tech.com. Boyson Technologies at b-o-y-s-o-n all right, so here's the mid-credit uh, <laughs> roll. Sure. I also want to say I saw the Tomb Raider movie last night, so I'm not sure if anybody was interested in seeing that and, uh, or not. So I'll, I, without giving any spoilers, I would say I would give it three out of four stars. I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, and uh, David Ladd, you are my spiritual inspiration. I would be nothing without you. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to thank the Academy. And um, and especially Jim Brain. And especially Jim Brain, yes.
8: All, and all the little people that made it possible.
3: <laughs> little people.
8: All the little people you stepped on on your way up.
1: <laughs> yes, and Nick Rhoda says, this is why I never run out of the parking lot in case the bonus credit stuff comes in. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to thank... Um, <laughs> no jet ski for Stevie's. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna continue with these credits here. thank you guys. Uh, we'll only interrupt about six more times. How about some
0: rap music? <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Nicokoko Talk theme song is Copyright two thousand eight by Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler mixed mastered and produced by bruce Morgan. bless you mark overholzer are you sneezing coughing or are you, what are you doing there you're muted i can't hear you probably a good thing you're muting because it sounds like you're you need
0: a heimlich manure right now show us your lungs <laughs> show us your lungs david ladd grant lady Mark overhose there.
1: Yeah! I love that high note.
2: Uh, I think we need to restart the credits again. <laughs> yeah.
8: Where's the rewind button?
1: The rewind button.
2: Don't forget to buy your t-shirts.
1: Don't
8: forget your
1: red cup. Uh, eight bit too, Oh, look at that. There's uh, Rondo Vo with his cocoa oh, yeah. mug. I, mine are still in the box from last Saturday. Um, still, so, yeah, yeah. I like that cocoa talk mug. Looking good. I'm going to try to
2: order them soon before Cocoa Fest.
1: Get your Cocoa Talk mugs. We uh, Underoos. I think we've got Cocoa Talk Underoos, too. So you have in the undergarments. <laughs> underoos. <Bruce.
6: laughs>
1: uh-huh. Oh, all right. So this uh, is the post-credit um,
0: babbling. All right, guys. Yes. Onus so material.
6: Maybe oh, we need somebody onus. to make
0: Cocoa gummy worms.
2: <laughs> I was thinking about
0: Cocoa underwear.
1: How about just cocoa gummies, kind of like uh, or yeah. like uh, c- computer-shaped uh, chewable snacks? Just kind yeah, of, that would you good. know combine the I mean, at-
9: two ideas.
1: We're at, we're at the age now, like the Centrum Silver Pills, if we just had our little old man pills that were shaped like retro computers, it
9: might be easier there to swallow, go. right? So. <laughs> Where's my sound card in this thing?
6: <laughs>
9: <laughs> the MC-10.
1: You killed the deluxe color computer, MC-10. Stop, stop, stop.
0: Oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh. Notice Customers. that... I was going Alan's to Steve. hanging around for less and less show now. <laughs> <laughs> He's already gone.
2: I was going to ask you, Steve, how did the uh, retro uh, pinball and video game convention go?
4: Oh, it was great. Uh, they had over 750 pinball machines and oh, about wow. as many video game units. Wow! wow. Uh, there was stuff that Yes, I had forgotten about, but stuff I never even knew was produced, both on the uh, pinball and video games. And there was uh, some vendor booths, and two of them were retro shows. Hmm. What, 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 uh, what Actually, what it was is there's a retro shop that has a little group that meets, and then a, now yearly they do a retro show. And then there's another group that is just a bunch of retro fans and they get together as a club so it's it's getting bigger yeah cool. what, the, what
9: was the attendance
4: there uh attendance for last night was uh i would say about 1200 wow wow, wow. that's good uh good. over the weekend they'll probably do something in the order of about maybe
0: um four thousand. wow uh, oh um did you say there was 6809 pinball ma- games or machines? You no. Know. No, I didn't say anything like that.
4: Were there I'm, I thought There's maybe you said that. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were arcade games. Well, there was There was some arcade games like for example the original vector graphics um, oh yeah uh, Star Wars that was 6809. Yeah, and Defender and Defender
1: Ghost and some Williams games, yeah. yeah. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
4: Cool. Yeah, but the yeah, um, there was um, this guy that was really famous for Donkey Kong, that was there, and every time he walked by, I heard other people say, "Oh, he's faking. He's beating the game on mame." Oh, that was what's his face? That was Billy Mitchell, King of Kong. Right, Billy Mitchell. Yeah, Billy Mitchell and that's the, yeah, that was the big big thing. And the thing is, when he walks in the room, it's like, "Look at me." I am the star. Oh, yeah? It's just like, oh, yeah, he's just so, you know, this is his only claim to fame. (laughs) He actually makes money at it, so he really promotes it. Yeah. Yeah. But
9: doesn't he have some sort of hot sauce company, too, he does? Yeah. yeah, He does some food thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, he always wears the same suits, got the same haircut. And do you guys remember the movie uh, Pixels? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Remember the short guy from Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, they're trying to kind of bring, peg him down in size a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, I see. There you go.
4: <laughs> that's what everybody kept on saying. Yeah, you know, just uh, he's not really that big of a guy. <laughs> right 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 right
1: all right well there's your bonus content folks so we are now going <laughs> off the air thank you for being with us coco talk episode 50 saint patrick's day edition and we will see you next time retro forever people bye-bye